Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, combination collaboration podcast, uh, the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast and the legendary Upside Fantasy Football Podcast, Davis Maddock and Pat Corain with you guys. This is going to be our first sort of discussion of the incoming NFL rookies. We've mentioned them a little bit as we've done shows over the last month, but Pat and I normally normally do a lot of rookie discussion really over the next three months because, uh, you know, unlike our friends, Pat, unlike, you know, unlike Peter and unlike Reeves and these guys who just kind of unplug and they're not drafting and they're kind of just living their lives, you know, hanging out with their wives, watching movies, getting some sunlight. You and I are like, you know, 27 drafts into the big board. We've been I think watching that's exactly film. how many drafts. I'm in. I'm not even kidding. I think, I think, exactly. I think 27 might be, might be mine too, which would be, which would be really funny. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're look, everyone is living their lives. They are, they're watching golf. They're getting some sunlight and uh, you know, I'm not really doing any of that. Honestly, I, I am uh you know, I'm watching Dylan Lobb highlights. I'm watching University of New <laughs> Hampshire running backs. I, uh, I'm watching the film from the Senior Bowl. I, I'm trying to get a real opinion of these rookies. I've already got, I think, like three real hot takes relative to the market. Um, it's an amazing rookie class. That's I guess that's really just the good place to begin. We are definitely going to have four starting quarterbacks come in from this rookie draft class. I think it's possible we get to six depending on what ends up happening with Bo Nix and Michael Penix. We've got four wide receivers who are locks to be first-round draft picks. I think we could see up to seven wide receivers be first-round NFL draft picks. We've got Brock Bowers. It is a very weak running back class, but kind of in a beauty-is-in-the-eye-of-the-beholder way where you could see these guys you know, landing in a good spot for them or whatever. So that's that's where we're at from a high level. It's a very good rookie class. It is a very good rookie class, not if you need running back help, um, like as you mentioned. I think last year I sort of defended the the running back class, um, and I think I was somewhat vindicated. I mean, I, HN was someone I was sort of like I was a little nervous about the weight um, and probably wouldn't have been the guy if you made me pick one guy who was going to you know raise rise a ton in value. I wouldn't have picked HN, I don't think, but, you know, I thought we wanted to be taking dart throws on a class that had like a fair, like a, a decent kind of middle class of like second round rookie pick types. This class at the running back position, I think is similar, but it's probably a weaker middle class. And then there's no Robinson, obviously there's no Gibbs either. I think Jonathan Brooks is kind of a, like a lower tier prospect than even Jameer Gibbs. Um, obviously also coming off an ACL tear. Yeah, I mean, this is this is my first hot take is forget Jonathan Brooks. Braylon Allen is uh is is the guy that you want. Oh, wow. That's my that's my giga hot take. Yeah, relative uh, to what other nerds are saying. 
Okay, so let's so he is very firmly in the like that kind of second round rookie pick group for me, but he yeah. doesn't stand out. Like I have so I have Jonathan Brooks is kind of like a, a tier above, kind of more of like a late first round rookie pick statistically. You got to factor in the ACL discount, but um, I think he ends up going maybe like late second round in the NFL draft. So I, I think I'll ultimately be comfortable taking him in the late first. But then I have Trey Trey Benson, Bucky Irving, Braylon Allen, Dylan Law, Audric Estime, um, and kind of borderline Blake Corum. I, I'm not as not as into him. Well, but how about that would when be the Blake Corum gets selected with the 59th overall pick to the Los Angeles Chargers? What are you going to do with him then? I'm going to I'm going to say I'm sorry I questioned you you're definitely in this group. But he's still kind of a two down plotter type. So I don't love him but well, I, but he when should John, be Har- when John when Harbaugh's your coach every down is two downs. Third and seven is two downs. <laughs> yeah, when when no... Harbaugh's your coach and Greg Roman is your OC. Yeah, every down is second and three when uh Jim Harbaugh's coaching. Yeah, I think anyway, I think that's the group. Um you could even maybe argue ray davis belongs in that group although i think the draft capital is a little shakier there no ray davis is is sick it's i mean obviously draft capital we're doing this on february 15th you know the day after valentine's day you and i are huddling up to talk about the incoming rookie (laughs) running back class but uh, ray davis is a guy that i think if he's a third round pick i'm gonna be like oh i'm taking him all the time and if he's a sixth round pick i'll probably forget he exists kind of seems like the way to treat him yeah 100 percent. but so that's how I view. I view like Jonathan Brooks and then like a bunch of dudes who I'm all I'm interested in all of these guys as kind of second round rookies. I would be fading all of them. Like if one of these guys turns into Keyshawn Vaughn and, you know, rockets up. Well, one of them will. One of them will. I'm probably fading that guy at that point. I would like to kind of have exposure to all of these guys ahead of the, ahead of that. Honestly, Blake Quorum is probably someone I need to force myself to take a little bit more of because he's the guy I'm least likely to chase. And then you end up in this position where you have like a full fade on, on a guy who who could be totally fine. Um, so, but yeah, why does Allen jump out to you ahead? Of, does he jump out to you ahead of Brooks as well? Oh yeah. So Braylon Allen didn't even really play running back in high school. He was a defensive player. I mean, you, I figured you'd be all over Braylon Allen because he's a converted <laughs> linebacker. He, You're he on my did, corner, he, man. I think he I think he had I, if I remember correctly 82 carries in high school but he was mostly a defensive recruit and he got recruited to Wisconsin as a defensive player um but then ended up switching to running back so he basically had never played running back and then in his first career start against Illinois he goes 18 for 131 and 1 he ends up rushing for 1300 yards and eight touchdowns in nine games as a 17 year old at Wisconsin and Given that he went to Wisconsin, what ends up happening to him is just like pretty classic, like Big Ten football, where they never really throw him the ball. They mandate him be in a timeshare with this like ninth year senior, Chez Malusi, who is like literally half as effective, like averages like four yards per carry, where in the same offense, Braylon Allen is averaging like five and a half, six yards per carry, like literally their final season. Uh, Chez Malusi ends up only getting 51 carries but they have this other guy jackson acker who's in there getting carries too and averaging 4.5 yards per carry allen also finally started catching passes a little bit his final season he catches uh, 28 passes as a 19 year old 19 year old junior can't remember many 19 year old juniors in nfl draft history but he's 19 right now i don't even think he turns 20 until 
some point in the season. He's he's like kind of a throwback running back in the sense that he's massive. He is 6'2", 235 pounds. I wonder if his his team will actually have him lose some weight before the combine so he can run faster. Because I think he probably won't run. He'll probably run like a 4'6", if he doesn't lose any weight and really focus on that. You know, wind up seeing what he does. I, I don't really care. The thesis is these are the teams that I think would potentially spend a pick on him who have high second round picks. The Tennessee Titans, the Washington Commanders, the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Las Vegas Raiders, the uh, the New York Giants, like the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. These are all teams with like actually a glaring need at running back who pick from like 35 to 50. That that's the crazy thing about this this very mid running back class is that last offseason we were trying to be like, well, who needs a running back? Everyone has all these running backs under contract, and now. You know, Derrick Henry is going to be moving on. Joe Mixon is probably not going to be a Bengal because they like literally need to save every cap dollar they can in order to give Jamar Chase his money and franchise tag T. Higgins. Uh, Dalvin Cook is out of Minnesota, and they just flat benched Alexander Madison. Josh Jacobs probably is not going to be a Raider. The Cowboys need a running back. The Dolphins probably want a compliment to uh, to AJ. A pretty fun compliment to AJ. Yeah, he's not a million years old. like they're just they're they're actually openings at running back. And my thesis is Allen is probably the biggest freak. He was so productive as a 17-year-old in the Big Ten. It's hard for me to imagine he is gonna not that's not gonna translate. The the big negative that someone would point out would one be how many passes is a 240-pound running back gonna catch? Yeah. And he would have to be drafted by a team that really wants what he does. Like if he gets drafted by, I don't, you know, the, the the Chiefs maybe, like or just whatever, you know, the Chiefs, the Bills, someone like that. It's like the the path to him ever getting two hundred and fifty touches is like so thin. But he would have to kind of go to like a Vrabel style coach, basically. Yeah, the concerns with him would be he he ran like eleven routes per game in his career, um, which is pretty low. Um, that's like, you know. You That's see like guys sometimes Garbaro. run twice as many of that. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he had 0.74 yards per route run, which is pretty poor. That's um, terrible. Yeah. His, the things I, I like about it, obviously the, the age, the size um, are, are pretty interesting. I mean, the age is kind of nuts, um, but his, so I've looked at some of these, you know, like some of the PFF metrics breakaway percentage, you know, what percentage of your yards are coming on really 15 plus yard runs. Um, that's a cool metric, but I also like to look at the breakaway yards per game and he does quite well there. And that rewards guys who can handle a lot of carries and then also deliver breakaway yards. I also like to look at the elusive rating, but per game instead of per touch. And he also does well there. So the idea of him is like a guy who can break a lot of tackles in a game, run, you know, hit some big runs over the course of a game. You load them up with carries. Yeah, but maybe Deontay Foreman. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess Zach Moss uh, never, never really. Uh, well, Zach Moss would break tackles and then immediately fall down somehow. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think he has like more of that breakaway. Even though he's not like gonna be like electric on every single touch, it, when he gets loose, it's gonna be a problem. I mean, Derrick Henry obviously is also kind of the other. I, I 
I was thinking like Henry, line. but like Jonathan Taylor actually is like the 99th percentile comp that that's like the, and then the low end comp is like, I mean, we've seen a billion of these guys, you know, Bo, right. Bo Scarborough, uh, Foreman, uh, post Achilles tear, just like guys who literally like cannot be on the field on third down. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the concern. The age is maybe a, an out there, you know, where you, you learn. Sure to to add that to your game down the line so he's definitely a, a really interesting dynasty guy but i mean audrick estime is is kind of it like to me he's like a very similar bet um he kind of has like he's a, he's a smaller guy he's not as giant as um as allen but i think he's going to be really fast and he's also 227 so he's just not like unbelievably big <laughs> he is he is right he is big he is young he's uh He's 20. So, you know, you're getting like a similar bet with him, a little bit better yards per hour on 1.12. He ran even fewer routes though. Um, but also pretty good in breakaway yards per game, really elusive. His uh his elusive rating is very high. So he's uh, like like why do you prefer Allen so much to estimate? I mean, one, it's like kind of like partly a meme, you know, because he is literally 19 <laughs> years old. Uh, the, the other thing about Estime was that he did more, uh, timeshare. There were, there were three other running backs that played for Notre Dame, which is just like a little, uh, you know, I, I don't know what that's telling me. Also, they're both the, the funny thing is they're both kind of in offenses where it's hard to learn about their skill set because they play so few competitive games and they don't play anything resembling a pro style offense like learning about a, an sec running back is just so much easier than mm. learning about a big 10 running back because the stuff that braylon allen is doing at wisconsin or that estime is doing at notre dame i guess notre dame's not technically a big 10 i don't even i guess they're independent but they end up they play a lot of big 10 teams is um they're you're just running like 1960s offenses you know you're you're just like it's it, it, it's like a being a michigan running back it's like learning about blake Corum, you know right like right. you're it's they're just playing a totally different brand of football than what you would see in an nfl playoff game you know right i didn't realize the steam was so big though that's that is inter- knowing he's 227 is interesting to me yeah so Allen finished his college career at 19.9 years old and estimates at 20.3 so like they're sure. pretty, and then he's two twenty seven instead of two forty five. So they both were committee backs. I think Allen looks like a better breakaway runner, but maybe a little bit worse as a receiver. So they're just sort of similar bets. I have no problem preferring Allen. He actually he rates like a hair better in my stuff, but they're very very similar. Um, what about Trey Benson? He's like he he reminds me a little bit of kind of Cam Akers is like pre Achilles tear is sort of a and he's actually a guy I could see going second round, getting installed as like a, a pretty obvious guy who's going to be the starter by the end of the year and jumping up into the even like the fifth round of redraft leagues by the time we get to the end of August. I mean, this is I, this is the the interesting game that we're playing right now because it is a pretty mid running back class. So we're not really coming into it with real priors where 
you know, uh, Gibbs is a good example where almost any team that would have taken him, we we would have kind of been, like, or Kendra Miller, actually, that's a better comparison. Where like Kendra Miller was like beyond buried, you know, buried by Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. And we were still like, I don't know, he might be a fifth <laughs> yeah. round pick, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because- maybe I should hammer this guy nonstop. Yeah, because we because we like the profile. Whereas right. I don't outside of Allen, I don't really like any of these guys, and it's going to be pretty contingent on where they go. And we are this is this is probably the last draft class where we are going to have to factor in COVID stuff in a serious way. Where you can't take the fact that a guy is a fourth year guy that he transferred that he never got over you know X limitation because shit was so weird. You know he he commits to Oregon. And then red shirts and then transfers like, but it, you know, Oregon is in this huge upheaval. The PAC 12 was the team that the PAC 12 was the conference that was most impacted by COVID stuff in 2020. Like I think most PAC 12 teams in 2020 only played four games. So it's just like, and coaches probably didn't even really know who they had for mm-hmm. a lot of different reasons. And then, yeah, I mean, he, he transfers and like, he's awesome. You know, he, even in, even in 2022, which is really his first time ever playing he he was awesome for florida state and scored a bunch of touchdowns and maybe most positive for his profile immediately came in as the the lead pass catching back you know led their their backfield in receptions the final year he also split some time with um you know uh, other guys but this is pretty interesting if you if you are a bull. So this guy he split time with in 2022, Treshawn Ward, he was better than him, caused Treshawn Ward to transfer. Treshawn Ward transfers to Kansas State and is awesome for K-State, hmm. like a, for a K-State team that punched above their weight in 2023. So maybe maybe an indicator that that Benson is actually better than than the results that he got. I I I am I'm Benson curious and I could see him being one of the guys who goes to a better offense that is like yeah we'd like to use him you know kind of in a a multifaceted role where he's playing some on early downs but some on third downs too yeah he's he looks somewhat versatile 1.25 yards per route run really good breakaway percentage good elusive rating um he's a committee back as you mentioned and it's kind of interesting if you look at uh Rotoviz's backfield dominator rank rating and uh Blair Andrews has written a lot about this is like a, a really nice way to find guys who fall in the draft it's not as important for guys who have draft capital so I think Benson Estime Allen will be really important that like NFL teams think these college committee backs are actually like good because if they don't the fact they were college committee backs is is, it's, is. it's a it's a death it's a death knell like if you're yeah. a college committee back and you're a fifth round pick it's it's probably not happening for you yeah you really want to see a guy just like have been his team's offense we do have some of those players dylan is it lob how do you say his name yeah i i think it's I, it's, it's lob laub uh it is spelled uh l-a-u-b-e his his peak Backfield dominated rating was 94%. His career is 86%. That's very high. Um, He has a career 2.30 yards per route run. Uh, He actually broke a fair amount of tackles. Not like going to be a a big breakaway guy, I don't think. But like being able to break tackles, being able to be efficient in the receiving game, um, being able to handle a bunch of touches, 
and have sufficient size. He's 210. Uh, maybe he's maybe comes in, you know, 205 or something. Maybe the 210s inflated, but he's old. That's, you know, he's 24 years old. So you don't love that. But, you know, we've seen guys with this kind of profile be pretty interesting. I mean, we've we've seen this exact guy. We've seen yeah. this exact guy 10 times, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's sort of a worse version of Rashad White's profile, I would say, but yeah, um, it's not like crazy, crazy different where you're like, you know, he's probably going to disappoint as a runner if given a full workload, but he could he could probably do it. He could handle it. And then he's adding he's actually adding value as a receiver. More likely, he'll end up being like a Rex Burkhead or a, a Danny Woodhead. People comp is like an upside. Um, but yeah, he, he's someone I think worth worth thinking about like super late in drafts right now um ray davis is another guy who had 82 percent peak uh, backfield dominator rating 77 percent for his career so very much not a committee back um in a class full of them he's he's pretty interesting well he's pretty interesting because he played in the sec for like kind of like some dog shit teams like uh like specifically his uh specifically his final year at kentucky they were uh they were not very good and like he i think he i gotta i gotta pull up his game logs but i know that he had like good games against like you know the like georgia and stuff like where they were just like yeah let's let's just give let's just give this dude the ball which is uh i i mean i i tend to i tend to kind of fall for stuff like that like 2023 yeah, he had he had uh, against Florida a game they end up winning a ranked Florida team, twenty six carries, two hundred eighty yards, and three touchdowns. He caught multiple passes in all, but four of their games has two for one twenty against Missouri. They gave him the ball fifteen times against Georgia. Like he like he he I mean just your classic college workhorse running back probably won't catch a ton of passes in the NFL, but more likely to be installed with a furl workload than like, for example, his underdog ADP in the big board is right now. Yeah. I mean, he ran 17 routes a game. Um, again, we, you know, some of the other guys we talked about, it's like twice as much, like estimate only ran eight routes a game quorum, just under 10 Allen, uh, just over 10. So that's like, that's nice. He was out there a lot. His, Efficiency wasn't great. 1.01 yards per out run. Not brutal, not good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he was trusted to do everything. Um, and he broke tackles. Doesn't look like he has much burst in terms of breakaway running. Uh, I don't know how athletic he'll ultimately test, but um, he does have decent size at 220. Another older back. So kind of, Brian Robinson was a name that kind of came to mind is like, you know, that's, I remember when yeah, he came that's, out. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty you good. were like, dude, get on board. Coaches are going to love this guy. I, it doesn't matter he does that he sucks in all your numbers. And Robinson kind of sucked in in all the stuff that I look still at. Still kind of sucks in the NFL, but still his coach is, is, does now. He, he got he got shot in the leg, and Ron Rivera's like, you know what? That's my guy. You know. <laughs> Ron Rivera, not a head coach anymore. Weird. Uh Ray Davis is actually kind of popping in some of my stuff in a way not like popping popping but but more than yeah. robinson i think he's he's like especially the other thing is i i have him plugged in as like a fourth fifth round pick um and it's possible he's a third round pick so 
you know, he would he would move up in in uh you know the statistical stuff, obviously if the draft capital was better. So he's definitely someone to mix in late in best ball, I think. Yeah. I mean that's this is uh this is kind of classic us to be like, all right, let's terrible running back class. Let's start by talking about all these mid <laughs> running backs. <laughs> Instead of talking about uh, the actual the actual interesting players. So to give people an idea, uh, the way things are are working right now, if you are doing uh, your dynasty superflex drafts, you have to make your first decision is going to start at one. Pat's going to say it's not a decision. I I think it I think it probably is a decision between Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. I I think in a certain set of leagues. Not every league, obviously. I bet it's. I'll bet it'll be eighty twenty if you look at like every superflex draft that happens on MFL between Caleb Williams being the eighty percent and Marvin Harrison Jr. being the twenty percent. That 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 is my estimation. I mean, I don't think it's crazy. You know, his he's such a good prospect, and yes. um, you know, I. I had Connor Rogers on the pod yesterday and I was asking him like, cause one of the things about when you're doing wide receiver prospects, one of the best prospects all time objectively is Amari Cooper. Like he yeah. was such a clean prospect. Yes, he was. But I think what that was telling us to some degree is like, this dude is going to be good. Like we have, you should have the utmost confidence that this is a good NFL wide good player. Yeah. Right. How much of how much of it though is that he's going to be a superstar, right? Like, I think obviously, you know, some of the same things we're looking at to help us determine whether or not a guy's good are also going to help us determine whether or not he's a superstar. But it gets a little difficult at wide receiver where like Justin Jefferson, I think, also was similar where you're like, this guy's going to be good. But we all discounted him because they're like, I don't know about the ceiling. You know, the ceiling isn't popping. He looks safe. Yeah. I don't know about the ceiling. I think wide receiver can be tough that way where like is Marvin Harrison Jr. just super, super safe or is he actually, you know, looking like potential superstar? I get the feeling from, you know, reading, listening, talking to Connor yesterday, like, yeah, we are talking about a potential superstar and we should probably proceed with the with the idea that this guy is going to be like, I think he said, like, basically in three years, the floor would probably be as a top 12 wide receiver. The ceiling is he's the best wide receiver in the entire league so i mean when you have that kind of floor ceiling combo it is hard not to just go ahead and i mean he's literally marvin harrison's son and he's often considered the best player in the entire draft by draft evaluators so i actually have no problem with it i also don't i don't like caleb williams as much as consensus like he i don't know maybe i'm just burned by bryce love or by bryce young um yeah, where it's like also burned by Bryce Love, but um, Bryce Young, like just, you know, oh, it doesn't matter. He's such a playmaker. He's such a creator, you know, but like playing within structure, if anything, seems to be getting like more important is, you know, the Shanahan systems kind of proliferate and everything. And yeah, I hate that, though. I Yeah, but I mean, like we need these guys to succeed at the NFL level and I the odds are he'll he'll be awesome. But sure. there's like just a little bit of me that's nervous about like super long time to throw, you know, kind of plays best when everything kind of breaks down and he's like a magician making things happen on his own. Um, I've heard 
you know, some of the stuff I heard was like right after the the Notre Dame game loss or whatever. But, you know, throwing with anticipation can be an issue, like waiting to see guys come open sometimes, like just like things that make me a little bit nervous as far as like, is this guy going to crush it in an NFL system? Um, I probably still would take him number one, but I have no issues if you wanted to take Harrison. Yeah, I definitely am taking him um, like 100 percent number number one I, i'm not i'm not sweating it and, and in fact if the market continues to drift this way where it's like souring a little bit i i have to find a way for that to be profitable because caleb williams is so fucking good at football and like Wait, hang got... on you you're taking you just said you're taking harrison one so I no, can't no, get no. You one. no no i did not say that i said i said that people are going to have that decision that, okay. Oh, oh, right. You said you think it's a decision. Okay. So I, you're I still it, taking Caleb Williams one. I'm still taking Caleb Williams one. Uh, okay. And I might even take Drake I think May it's a decision too. I think it's also a decision. Yeah. You know what? Part of it is going to be like, you know, the bears fucking stink ass. Like the bears just like ruin everything. And so like, you're, you're kind of putting your trust in this organization that can't get shit. Right. Like, you know what, you know, it's, you know, it's funny. And someone pointed this out the other day. Weirdly enough, I got uh, a very insightful comment from the Swolecast chat, which has got to be the first time that's ever happened. Wow. wow. But I never, I never thought of it this way, which is that the Bears actually traded away CJ Stroud in that in that deal. They did. They they could have selected CJ Stroud, right? Which was not really on the table at the time. You know, people were just saying right. like it's either Bryce Love or whatever. But it's pretty painful to realize they had the pick that they could have just sat on the clock and put C.J. Stroud's name on the paper and just had him, and he just you know won a playoff game, right? And now they're putting themselves in the position to do it again. Insanely lucky, like luck of the highest order to make this trade and then be put in the position to do it again. And they might stare the gift horse in the face again and be like, no, we're going to build around Justin, which I think is like 5%. I think there's like no way it happens I don't think anyways. They do that. Yeah. Yeah. Neither here nor there. But I think they need to start hinting maybe they will to try to get the phone to ring. I don't think anyone's calling about, about fields right now. So sure, there's there's some off field stuff with Caleb Williams. You know, uh, he's he's crying in the stands. He he wears nail polish. You know, whatever. Like people are, I don't I don't actually really get the sense of what people it is they don't like about him because if you just look at what he's done on the actual football field, maybe I guess maybe you could feel a little bit of uh, hesitation that he ended his USC career by losing to. I mean, really, these are not bad losses. Like, losing to Notre Dame, I guess he threw three interceptions. That's not great. Losing to Utah is fine. They had the best defense pretty much in the in uh, the like, in the like entire Pac-12. Losing to Washington, obviously no problem there. They end up being a college football playoff team. Losing to Oregon, like whatever, Oregon, good team. Losing to UCLA is, is not great, but he goes 31 of 42 for 384 yards in that game. I mean, he just, the guy came in as an 18-year-old. This is this is crazy. He came in as an 18-year-old true freshman. The first time he ever played college football, Spencer Rattler, who is supposed to be the number one overall pick in 2021, just gets benched mid-game against the University of Texas, which is Oklahoma's biggest rival, right? Like, this is like the biggest game. Rattler gets benched. 
Caleb Williams comes off the bench, 18 years old, true freshman, goes 16 for 25, 212 yards, two touchdowns, 8.5 YPA, and then is also uh, also runs very effectively in this game, four for 88 and a touchdown. Actually, he's Oklahoma's uh, second leading rusher as an 18-year-old. I just, this is not like, fucking Mitch Trubisky running hot for a year at the University of North Carolina. That is not what this is. Like, this guy is, he's got all the tools. He's a little small. He's like 215 pounds and 6'1". I mean, it's it's he's not as big as like Mahomes or Burrow or Allen or whatever, but he's not like Drew Brees. I just, I, I am, my take is I'm tuning out all the noise of, oh, he's crying in the stands. He's, he looks weird in his Sports Illustrated photos. Like, I just don't care. <laughs> Uh, Jim Jim Sanis just published his uh, quarterback model, and it's Caleb Williams is his best prospect of the last decade, without even really accounting for his freshman and sophomore stats. Jim's model really weighs final season stuff the most, so it doesn't even matter that he won a Heisman at nineteen. That's pretty good. If it's yeah, the final season wasn't wasn't as strong as the year before. Yeah, I I just don't care. I think Caleb is the best quarterback since at least Lawrence, and maybe maybe luck actually in terms of just prospect profile yeah one thing that's at the like the red flag for me is you know he he didn't make that many plays um like when you look at his first reads like did he like how much was he executing on the first read and then how many mistakes was he was he making on non-first reads like yeah what, you know and he actually made a lot um, you know, sacks and interceptions and stuff on, you know, when the play broke down, he made a lot of fun plays too, but it just, it, that's the red flag to me. It's, you know, you could argue about how big of a red flag it is. Um, but it's kind of interesting to me that like the NFL doesn't seem that concerned about it. And therefore maybe it's not that big of a red flag. Because like it's the type of thing that I would think the NFL would really care about, um, and if they ultimately don't, and he goes number one overall, which he's expected to do, then I'm just not like that interested in being like I don't know. He, he may, exactly. What, what about what about the the turnover worthy plays? You know when he's scrambling around, like they, they See, they're this, not concerned. I shouldn't be that concerned. I I don't mean to make this one to one comp, but the things that people are saying as a negative about Caleb Williams reminds me a lot of the things that people said about Mahomes, where he makes he makes too many turnover worthy plays. He spends too much time trying to get out of the pocket, too much time improvising, too much time doing jazz. And I'm like, I guess it kind of depends on what you want out of a quarterback. Like if your ultimate, if your um you know, if your your perfect goal of a quarterback is Brock Purdy, then yeah, I don't know. Take JJ McCarthy, then I guess. Like JJ McCarthy mm. is way more likely to be a quarterback who like loses an NFC Conference Championship game, going twenty one of thirty two for two hundred sixty six yards. You know, like to- I I totally grant that JJ McCarthy way more likely to to end up with that path. But Caleb Williams is infinitely like infinitely more likely to be like the sixth best quarterback in the NFL in a year, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think like in my stuff, you know, so the, what I'm looking at, I'm trying to figure out who's going to be like an incredible fantasy quarterback. And so, you know, some of the, like the really good quarterbacks don't always pop. Jaden Daniels will probably score the most fantasy points out of all of them as a rookie. Yeah, he probably will. Um, 
but like you know joe burrow doesn't like necessarily pop a ton in, in the stuff i'm looking at but that's fine like joe burrow you know i didn't argue against and i i'm not i won't argue against caleb williams i think he's he basically comes out as like a really strong prospect um with some minor red flags the guy that i think i I guess I'm just, I should just be happy about this. I think we should just quietly sit back and draft the shit out of Drake May. Um, yeah. That's, don't have ultimately, to, that's the answer. We don't have to argue about whether he should go ahead of Williams because he probably shouldn't because you want Williams. I, I would not he, kill the Bears for doing it or the Commanders for trading up. Like, I, I, I wouldn't kill anyone for May. Like, I get it. There's less, um, just like question marks floating in the air about about Drake May, but you know, Kit Williams is better. Yeah, and I think we want we want Williams. Williams is a really strong prospect, and the market has put its foot down here that he, at least as, as of right now, he is the clear number one of the class. He's going to go first in dynasty drafts. He's going way ahead in best ball. Um, you want Caleb Williams, I think. I think just kind of follow the market there. But Drake May really pops for me, yeah. and and the thing, the reason he does is I really like big time deep throws, guys yeah. who are having these the PFFs big time throws, but on deep passes. This is one of the reasons I was super high on Anthony Richardson coming into last year because everyone's like, oh, he can't pass, he can't pass. This dude passed like Richardson was aggressive and good on deep yes. throws. He just couldn't pass to the short area, which I could care less about because he's a massive human who runs. Now, he did get hurt running when he could have when he could have dumped off potentially. But you know, you're you're betting on a, a rushing quarterback. The fact that he can't throw short isn't a problem as long as he can hit plays deep downfield. May is also massive. He's not going to run like Richardson, but we're talking about a 230 pound quarterback who is actually pretty accurate at all areas of the field, but an even better deep passer than, than Richardson. And one of the best deep passers, you know, statistically coming in that we've really ever had. So I'm like, I love the, the kind of the, the Herbert comps that you get, but maybe like a more aggressive deep passing mindset, you know, and ability. I mean, this guy's got a really strong arm, maybe not as good as Herbert's, but He's maybe willing to challenge a little bit more deep downfield. He's also a willing scrambler. Um, his rushing stats look very similar to Justin Fields coming in. Obviously, he's not going to turn into the rusher that Justin Fields was, but I think gives you an idea of just, you know. He also probably won't get sacked once at every 10 times he drops back. Much better at avoiding sacks than than Fields. Yeah, I don't think he's going to need to to run like Fields has because he's going to be a better passer. But I mean, just a, a big dude with mobility who who runs willingly and passes deep willingly. It's kind of like aggressive Herbert is sort of the the what I'm thinking of him as. You know, you what you're dreaming is maybe he can be kind of another Josh Allen type. And I mean, Josh Allen's the number one quarterback in fantasy, so I'm pretty excited about May. And I I, I really don't get the big discount that you're getting on on him. I mean, you're seeing him go behind Daniels in in you know some of the the dynasty stuff and he's going behind him in best ball. Like best ball makes a little bit more sense, but for dynasty like no way. G- 
give me May. May's going to succeed at the NFL level. Daniels probably does, but he's a skinny runner who takes a lot of hits. That could go bad. Um, May May executes an and NFL J- offense Daniels and is going to score is, a lot of points. Jen Daniels is older than Sam Howell, I think. <laughs> That's not ideal. It's I don't actually ideal. think he, I don't actually think he's older than Sam Howell. Uh, no, he and Sam Howell are the same age. They're both they're both twenty three. Daniels was, you know, I was going back and and listening to some stuff before the season, and Daniels is like, you know, he seemed like maybe he'd be a he's a guy to keep an eye on as a potential day two pick if he has a good season. And then I was listening to Connor Rogers and, and Trevor Sikama's pod in November, I think, and they were like. Like Trevor was like, I'm putting him in my top 50, man. I know it's, I know it's, and maybe that feels a little high, but I, I'm putting him top 50. And, and they're like, yeah, I th- honestly, I think he could sneak into round one. And now he's like going to go number three overall, which, you know, tells you how, you know, what a great final season he had. But an older player with that kind of one season that, that boosts his stock that much over a guy that was, you know, talked about ahead of the season is, is, you know, kind of in the, the race for the top quarterback and has done nothing, if anything, I mean, like Dane Brugler had Drake May a, a month or so ago as his number one quarterback. Um, I don't think he is now. But, you know, he's he's been in the mix for the top quarterback in the class for a while. And I think really checks a lot of boxes from a fantasy perspective that he's not getting full credit for. And he's going to be drafted to a team that already has two good wide receivers, which is it's a lot better than throwing to Adam Curtis Samuel's a free agent. Oh, you're already out. You you you've already you've already turned coded on Jahan Dotson. He doesn't exist to you. <laughs> I'm supposed to call this guy a good wide receiver now. He's, he's good he, as a rookie. He was good as a rookie. Honestly, he wasn't. Honestly, he scored honestly, some touchdowns as a rookie. We were gaslit about his rookie season. He had uh, as a as a rookie. He had a good second half of the season, but he had 1.39 yards per hour run, which is bad. Uh, and then, you know, he had a good second half, but then he dropped a, a sweet 0.82 for us as a sophomore. Now now a career 1.03 yards per hour run. Not willing to say that Jahan Dotson's good. I, I'm sorry, I'm not there. Maybe he's not terrible. Maybe he rebounds, but yeah. Okay, so he's got one good wide receiver and a guy who might be okay. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. also they also Washington also has a very high pick in the second round, obviously, which could be used on a, a another wide receiver, which which teams do a lot when they take a rookie quarterback. Generally, they do take with that pick around, you know, they take their Jonathan Mingo. <laughs> <laughs> God. And then I draft them. I'm going to be drafting them. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this year's Mingo? Johnny Wilson? No, he won't. There actually are big bodied wide receivers. So like the, the only guy who's six, four won't shoot up 80 picks just because yeah, he is six, right. four. Right. I mean, this year's, this year's Quinn Johnson is Keon Coleman. That's good. He's going to be that that's going to happen. He's going to be it, like the 24th pick and he's going to stink. I know. I know. Before we go wide receiver. I mean, do you have any Daniels thoughts? Like I'm, I'm actually a little bit nervous about Jaden Daniels because of the, the weight being a little, you know, he's not like tiny, tiny, but he's. I mean, Jane Daniels, big. if he, if there would have been a universal rule that you had to declare as a quarterback after your third season or whatever, or age 21, he would not have gotten drafted. He he would not have gotten drafted after his, his final season at Arizona State. 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 7.1 YPA, uh, four rushing touchdowns, I believe, on 300 passing attempts. Like, 
got awful and had a good season at LSU uh, as, as a senior. And then obviously had the Heisman season as a super senior. And I've said this on every show. So people are already going to get sick of it. And you guys have, um, I think 60, actually 69 days until the NFL draft. So you're going to get extra sick of it. Nice, but nice. He obviously the, the compare the uh, comp is easy to find because he went to LSU the last quarterback we saw with two all-star wide receivers at LSU, Joe Burrow, great NFL quarterback. Yep. The last quarterback before that to throw to two first-round quality wide receivers. Do you remember? Yeah, I do because I listened to your pod with Kevin Cole. Zach yeah. Mettenberger. Zach Met- right? Mettenberger threw yeah. to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, and Jeremy Hill was the running back. And he, I believe he was the eighth overall selection to the Titans. Does that sound right? Um, let's let's look this up. It does. Now I got to know. Yeah. Are you Zach- – Mettenberger. Oh, I don't think he went that high, did he? Zach Mettenberger in the NFL draft. No, no. Okay, I'm I'm totally capping. He, no, you, he did. He was he was a Titan, but he was a day three pick. You're thinking of that other dude who was athletic, that, Jake Jake Locker. Maybe you're thinking of Jake Locker. I'm thinking of Jake Locker. Who yeah, was, he went super who, high. Who was the eighth overall pick to the yeah. Titans? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I am thinking of Jake Locker. All right. So point being. It's very hard to read between the lines and say, which one of these two guys is he? Because I think anyone who can just say, oh, Jaden Daniels made Malik neighbors. Like, there's just no chance that's no true. No way. No chance. Yeah. I, when I when I had Connor on, he was talking about Brian Thomas's separation. And I mentioned that he actually has statistically one thing. I, I have like a screener that looks for guys who have a really high percentage of their targets contested. And then don't was have key, was and, Keon Coleman number one. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I should I should say this is specifically it's looking at deep targets. And uh, I actually should pull up Coleman. I'm not sure, but um, his so Brian Thomas had a, a a high percentage of his deep targets contested, and then he didn't have a great contested catch rate over his career uh, on on those deep targets. He did actually in his final season have a pretty strong one, but. Early in his career, he wasn't great. The idea is, okay, if you a lot of your deep targets are contested, maybe you're not separating well. And then if you're not like an awesome contested catch guy, are you just kind of Quentin Johnston? But but Connor was noting like a lot of he when he was watching, he's like, he had a lot of underthrown deep balls from Jaden Daniels. And so Brian Thomas, yes. He yeah. no, so and when you watch Brian Thomas, even if you just watch like his just bombs production four minute highlight thing you'll see he there, no one no defender is ever in the frame because he just completely burnt them at the line of scrimmage but he's got to wait like one and a half seconds for the ball to get to him yeah so that's like a red flag i mean it's one of the things where i'm like i'm i'm way less worried about that from thomas now like he's you know and and thomas has a really strong profile otherwise um he well his production wasn't quite there but he's also playing alongside malik neighbors who looks awesome and he's a three-year guy um, who's going to get drafted very highly. I, I like Thomas, but it makes me worried about neighbor or um, not neighbors. It makes me worried about Daniels. If you know, we're, we're thinking he, maybe he was made by these wide receivers. We would have gotten in trouble though, last year, thinking that about Stroud. Um, I don't know. So maybe they're, maybe they're all good, but totally possible totally not totally not ruling it out that Jaden daniels actually is the third best quarterback in this class that malik neighbors really is that good that brian thomas actually does because we've we've literally seen this i mean we saw it with we've seen it with ohio state 
we've how many Alabama teams have we seen this with where the wide receivers were good, the quarterback was good, the running back was good. They're all they're all good, right? It's it's totally possible. Daniels just has a there's just no way around it. He's got a funky profile. Being a being a five year quarterback, which we have with Daniels, Penix, and Knicks, it, it's. Bo Nix's fucking first career game was against Justin Herbert, who's on his second NFL contract. Like, like it's just a, it's a weird quarterback class. <laughs> oh man! Um, by the way, Keon Coleman does have the highest contested yeah. catch rate on on deep passes, uh, contested target rate uh, on on deep passes. Yeah, I just I'm already like so so right now. Uh, uh, Keon Coleman is is uh, on average the wide receiver six the 10th overall selection in Superflex drafts. Uh, this is this is using the Dynasty League football combinatorial rankings. I'll, I'll just say this. If Xavier Worthy gets selected after Keon Coleman, but by a team I like better, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, someone like that, I, I don't care who takes Coleman. I don't care how high he goes. I'm taking Worthy over him if, if that happens. S- same Actually, same with Mitchell, too. Same with, uh, I, I don't know how to say his name right, uh, Adne Adane Mitchell. I just say AD Mitchell. AD Mitchell. Sure. I've heard other people say it and I'm like, sweet. That lets me off the hook. It can yes. even sound cool. Like I know. Yeah. I, I, know I just I I'm too this the the psychological scars of watching Quentin Johnson just have like balls bounce off his helmet in the NFL. Yeah. I can't do that again. Yeah, I think Keon Coleman, um I'm gonna start taking a little more of in best ball because He's going to probably get drafted in the first round. He's going to likely see his price increase when that happens. And as like a Kadarius Tony type of, you know, this guy isn't that good, but the team's working to get him involved kind of play. I, that can actually kind of pay off. if As long as you're taking him in the double digits, double digit rounds, you know, of best ball a dynasty i think i'm more willing to just make a stand and be like i i'm not doing this he he has is a lot of red flags um so which it's just weird that he is so consensus being mocked there when everyone universally acknowledges the red flags and the two texas guys don't seem to have the red flags worthy worthy and mitchell don't don't really seem to have that big of of red flags well, Worthy, Worthy and Mitchell both actually have. So, Ad Mitchell has a similar, uh, you know, the separation red flag that I was mentioning. He actually has that too, although kind of just yeah, barely. because he's because he's fucking Gumby. He's six four, hundred ninety <laughs> pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and then Worthy is was used a lot on like screens, and and a lot of his yak was generated on really shallow passes. Yeah. So that's like, you know, potentially gadget player usage. Um, although I've heard people we, talk we about... We like gadget players, though. You ever heard of Rashi Rice? Yeah. I, it can work out okay, but, you know, it can also be a problem. I mean, Rondell Moore, you know, there, there's some there's some times it doesn't it doesn't work. Um, but I I think both, both players are supposed to be pretty good route runners. So I, I'm that makes me a little bit less nervous about about each of those red flags. Coleman, I mean, Coleman wasn't that productive for a three-year player. Um, 22% career market share yards, 
this is where I'm missing having Jacob because Jacob could provide us good context because he's in all these status. Well, he's in all these virgin Devi leagues, so we could be like, Keon Coleman has been supposed to be the best wide receiver since he was 16 years old. You know, like I think that's what it is. He had 1.87 yards per route run, which is not good. So I I just Coleman doesn't really. He's a three-year player who's 215. He's gonna be like six four. He's going to get drafted in the first round, probably, if not in the second. And that's it. That's like the whole thing. And then, but everything else that you you would look for, he was like bad in. Okay. But did, did you know that Keon Coleman played basketball at Michigan State? I've, I've heard. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not joking. I'm not being sarcastic in any way. That does, like, I like that. Like, I, the, to me, that just is signals like, like actually this guy's like a crazy athlete like the like not even not even just physically but like with like your proprioception and stuff just like your ability to uh uh manipulate space i i think being that athletic is like a clear positive for an nfl wide receiver no i do too i mean i and i think he's definitely he's gonna test well you know we'll feel good about that so it's a it's a, a thing where like there's volatility to this profile, and I think it's easy to get focused on the negative, especially after Quentin Johnston just busted super hard with a somewhat similar profile. Um, and, you know, that maybe maybe we avoid another another landmine if, if you just fade him. But I think you do want to acknowledge that anytime a three-year player who is super athletic gets drafted in the first round, potentially with a really good landing spot. Like, there's something there's we're not, that's upside. something it's something the nerds would not see that the NFL teams are seeing. If that's this, like he wasn't insanely productive, was still a first round pick, did declare early. There's something that's not showing up in the data for sure. Yeah. And so, and like, you know, these prospect evaluations are hard and they're kind of weird sometimes where it's like, if a guy's just good enough at the stuff he does well, then maybe the stuff he doesn't do well doesn't matter. But if you're like below that mark, then all of a sudden it's a huge, huge problem. T. Higgins is a different type of player, but like T. Higgins is just good enough at the contested catch stuff and kind of playing that bully ball, old school wide receiver style that it like doesn't matter that much that he, you know, he has some limitations as a receiver maybe Coleman's the similar, like a different, different strengths and weaknesses, but maybe Coleman's similar. It's like, no, he really is just that athletic. He's, he's good after the catch. Like it doesn't matter that he can't get separation at all. And that his route tree is going to be weird. And you can't just throw him out there and be like, be a pro. And, and that's good enough. They're going to have to design stuff for him a little bit more and all that, but maybe they will, you know? And, and so I guess what I would say is like, if you're really scared of Coleman and I, and I'm generally pretty nervous about him find like the least upsetting ways that you can get exposure to this guy and right now i think one of those is he's trying to mix him in in current best ball drafts it's, where it's he's not ball. that it's, tre- it's treating him like rashi rice right we're like yeah. i actually i actually don't think i have rashi in any dynasty league if i if i'd had to go look but i was all over him in best ball because the the right. prices didn't make you know it's it i mean we said this all off season but if sky Moore didn't exist Rashi Rice would have been an uh, eighth round pick or whatever in best yeah, ball, but because yeah. but because Sky Moore existed, because Sky, you know, the round and and Michael Hardman, um, because those guys had existed before him, we were just like, oh, the Chiefs can't draft wide receivers; these dudes stink. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you know, 
Coleman's a better prospect than Rice, and Rice hit like way more than I think. I mean, certainly than I thought he would. Like he's, and Rice is kind of interesting too. Where like Rice does certain things pretty damn well, and other things not so well. And you know, he's good enough at the things he's good enough at. So, um, yeah, I think I think best ball actually. I need to be more aggressive on Coleman. I probably he's pretty, he's pretty up, cheap too, isn't he? Like the wide receiver fifty four right now in the big board or something. He he's way yeah he's going outside the top one hundred picks. Um, he's like around one ten or something. And best in best ball, it's like Harrison's in his own tier, then Neighbors is in his own tier, then Roma Dunze's in his own tier, then Brian Thomas is in his own tier, and you have to get all the way down to Coleman Franklin. Um. Like, for example, Khalil Shakir is going ahead of Keon Coleman right now, and Keon Coleman might just actually be the wide receiver one for the Bills. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> like, just the way things might play out. So that is an example that's of, hilarious. of why it's good to take shots on him right now. A hundred percent. That's such a good that's such a good way to, to frame it. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's going outside the top 100, and that's where, like, all these guys get, kind of get clumped up a little bit. Um I've taken a lot of Troy Franklin there and I like Troy Franklin a lot, but I, I definitely want to take more Keon Coleman and mix it up a little bit more. Cause you know, to quote David kitchen, we, we just don't know. We just don't know. All right. So I guess let's, let's rewind a little bit and let's go back to the the top of the class. So we got Harrison group of his own neighbors, Adunze, Franklin, Thomas. Where are you at on the, I mean, Thomas and Adunze are are both interesting for different reasons. Thomas, obviously, because he played with uh, Thomas, because he played with neighbors, and Adunze because uh, so much of it was final season production, which we don't we don't always we don't always love that. He also is another guy who played four seasons, but again, the COVID stuff with the Pac twelve. Well, it's just we're gonna have to keep coming back to this Pac twelve guys. You know, he uh, they they played four games. He he had six receptions as a uh, as a as a true freshman i guess he wasn't you know it's not that he was bad in uh 2022 uh still led uh actually jalen mcmillan that's kind of the interesting is jalen mcmillan injured all basically all of uh, 2023 definitely impacted how much was available for adunze because mcmillan had more touchdowns and receptions than adunze did in 2022 interesting yeah adunze was ben was ben gretz was like uh on ship chasing as you know, the, the Huskies were making their run. He's like, Pat, you're not going to like a Dunze and you're going to be wrong. And, uh, you know, the, you know, he's obviously a Huskies fan. And I was like, Oh God, you know, I'm going to have to have to go to war with Ben over, over this old prospect who I'm not going to like, but I think he's fine. Like, I don't, I don't have a strong stand actually on, I mean, he's going to probably go top 10 in the NFL draft. Um, he, you know, is, probably going to test fairly well he his yards per route run as an underclassman were actually pretty good um 2.17 yards per route run uh in his his underclassman years so it's not just that he had this incredible season um you know in his final year he did have a very strong season but you know he's got 28 percent uh career market share of yards 29 percent career dominator rating those are good numbers so he he actually kind of looks like you know, a fairly productive older prospect. Um, and so I'm, I'm fairly interested in him. If he were to get like super expensive, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to chase if he, you know, if people were talking about him over neighbors and dynasty, no, thank you. 
but that doesn't seem to be where people are at. And so I don't feel like fading, you know, a guy that's going to have awesome draft capital, um, you know, seems like a pretty well-rounded, like actual receiver, you Has know, blonde cornrows. It's always <laughs> going to be a huge. It's always going to be a huge plus for me personally. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's checking a lot of boxes. He's checking uh, a lot of boxes. <laughs> I, the one thing I would say um, about a Dunze is I don't really get, if we're talking about tight end premium, why he would go ahead of Brock Bowers. That's, that's like kind of in dynasty. If I'm light on a Dunze, it's because I'd be taking Bowers over him. And from what I'm seeing, that's not going to be the consensus. Maybe, maybe Bowers will ultimately slot in ahead, but I think you'll see a Dunze go ahead of Bowers and, well, Bowers I'm is Bowers going to go Dunze. ahead of Adunze in the NFL draft and in fantasy drafts, I bet. Okay. But, okay, if we're looking at, like, you know, you get the three quarterbacks, you get Harrison Jr. and uh, Malik Neighbors, and yeah. then you have Brock Bowers. That's, like, your kind of consensus top six? Yes. Odunze Pretty big drop seven. after that, I think. But I think Adunze, I think there's a tier break, and then I think it's Adunze right now. I'm good with that. That that works for me. I think Brian Thomas, you know, has enough. He wasn't that productive, so it's like a little bit of. Do you want the the underclassman speedster who you know you're kind of looking to develop a little bit more, or do you want the the kind of more polished, uh, you know, four year guy who got drafted, you know, ahead of Thomas most likely, uh, if not top ten. So, you know, I think there you could if you wanted to go Thomas over Odunze, like I'm probably more open to that than, than most, but I would, I would right now I would take Odunze seven. Sure. So uh, do you want to know my most uh, Jedi bell curve meme thought on these wide receivers, but in, in the sense that depending on your perspective, it could either be left curve or the Jedi curve. I mean, I want to look at what these guys did in the absolute biggest games for their teams and Odunze absolutely smoked he he went nuclear in the games that really mattered for Washington. Eight for 102 against Oregon. Six for 125 against Texas. Seven for 122 uh, against Washington State in a game they absolutely had to win against Cameron Ward. It was like pretty close, uh, you know. And then had like bad games that just like didn't matter. Like oh, against Arizona, five for 64. Like whatever, we're beating the shit out of them. Oh, we play Oregon in the regular season, and if we lose this game, we can't win the conference but if we win this game we can eight for 128 and two five for 87 against michigan now they ended up getting their ass kicked and it didn't really matter but this is i mean and this is a very old thought because it goes all the way back to the odell beckham stuff and like 2012 rotaviz era of like odell beckham's biggest games in college came against like Furman. um you know he, only, he famously only scored famously only scored two touchdowns in sec play um back in the day but that 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 and I I bet you Ben would say the same thing when when talking about Adunze is he'd be like the team knew in their biggest hardest games against their biggest competition that sure Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan could contribute against Arizona State but when we're playing Oregon it's got to be an Adunze specific game plan. Yeah, I mean I I like that you know that that seems good. Um, we're we like metrics like yardage share dominator rating like because it's like 
was the team looking to feature this guy? Was this guy able to go out that's, there? That's literally it. Yeah. Yeah. And if the team was specifically looking to feature him in their biggest and most important games, that, that, that seems good. You know, you're going to your best players when it matters. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a little, is a way to sort of like keep yourself calm about a prospect that does have, I think, some statistical red flags and say, look, this guy's going to go top 10. He was clearly the number one on his offense. Um, and, you know, he was efficient. He was productive throughout his career. Um, yeah, the final season boosted him probably, you know, maybe he, what, he might've gone in like the second round if if not for this final season or something. But um, it's not like he came out of nowhere. It's not like he's a, a random guy that is only going top 10 because of one season. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, he, he's someone that I want to be price sensitive on, but I don't want to, to just kind of get like, lost in the the stat weeds and and not recognize that he looks like a pretty good prospect when you when you kind of zoom out yes he does uh and i think that's probably the end of guys that you can't argue about i think thomas you can argue about and i definitely think troy franklin seems like a guy who there's going to be uh there's going to be real arguments about um he did he did lead oregon in receiving two times uh do you know do you want to know my uh my fun fact that makes troy franklin's season at oregon uh more impressive go ahead tez johnson who actually ended up leading the team in uh receptions but not in yards transferred from troy but was basically bo nix's adopted brother tez the 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 opposed the guy who lined up opposite troy franklin lived with Bo Nix like they're wow. they're like basically brothers right like they're I, I, I have well to go, I, I, given the quote. age difference it maybe son would be more appropriate <laughs> it's very good but like you're literally playing football with your adopted brother like Bo Nix's <laughs> parents come down from the sideline and like give uh you know give Tez Johnson a hug before they go and find Bo and Troy Franklin still leads the team in yards and in touchdowns. I mean, come <laughs> on, dude. That's to me, to me, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good fun fact about this draft class. Listen, we just allowed Roma Dunze steps up in the big games. We're allowing it. We're allowing that, you know, out competing adopted brothers is uh well, that's, is now that's what, look, this is my job on the show. You're gonna bring, you're gonna bring uh, you know, the splash zone stats. And I, it's it's my job, it's my job <laughs> to bring to bring the narratives. I mean, I love the narrative. Like, Troy Franklin, the big thing for me is weight. What does he weigh? Because Dane Brugler had him at, I think, a 179. Uh, he's listed uh, To me, that looks high. <laughs> oh, oh, no. He's listed at 187. So I've been really hoping. <laughs> okay, he's not 187. He's <laughs> he is not. I mean, you could just watch the games and be like that. That dude is not weigh 187 pounds. He has very skinny legs and a very lanky frame. He's like six three. Yeah, I would love if he could, you know, be putting on weight right now. At least be. I mean, if he's below 180 with as lanky as he is, it's a little concerning, especially if it's for his early career production. Um, that's one of the things where like. I am going to be taking Troy Franklin ahead of Keon Coleman 
in Dynasty. But I've actually been thinking like, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more kind of on Coleman here in best ball where like if if Coleman's got it, he's going to hit the ground running. Where Franklin yeah. could be awesome. Oh, that's and not such a good point, running. actually. Like, we're going to know after like a month if Keon Coleman has it or not. Exactly. Exactly. And Franklin could be like, you know, he could maybe be a slower burn. Two. Yeah. yeah, it could be a little bit of a slower burn. You know, kind of a classic second year breakout, put some weight on. Um, and he's got he's got the speed. His his route running supposedly very good. Um, I think he's going to test really well. You know, he's got acceleration well, you, plus you can't, long speed. You can't accelerate at 178 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> then what, are, then what are you doing here? I mean, the the thing, obviously, that is so impressive about him was, was like the per target efficiency is also off the chart. His final year at Oregon, almost three yards per target with uh, 33% of the receiving production at Oregon in, in a, a season where they were very good. You know, that is another thing. It's like, obviously, it is easier to get a bunch of volume on a shitty college football team than it is to get a bunch of volume on a good college football team. Like there's a reason why we like SEC wide receivers, you know, like they're, yeah. they've just had to beat harder competition. Yeah. And he, so he had 2.63 yards per route run, which is really good. Uh, Marvin Harrison was at 2.98 Malik neighbors at 2.83. Um, Odunze, as I mentioned, was at 2.17. So he, so Franklin's significantly better. Brian Thomas was only 1.95, Holman 1.87. So of these like three-year guys, Franklin actually from the efficiency is up there with Harrison and neighbors. The other thing is that that mark was significantly better than the rest of his teammates. So his, that's one thing I, I've, I've liked to look at over the years is like, how big of a gap are we seeing with your yards per hour and relative to your teammates? Because yards per hour and is going to be dictated by, you know, to some extent by how good the offense is, you know, and potentially are you just like playing in a great offense next to, you know, other good players and you're able to, to kind of just roll teams, roll the, the competition and everyone's efficient, but Franklin was really efficient and, and appears to have kind of stood out as like the clear best guy in his offense, which is generally what we see from really good players um, he was especially good in 2023 in the efficiency. His his overall production over the course of his career wasn't wasn't ideal, but a really good yards after catch player, which I think is important to note given the size. Like he's not just like I, I mentioned um, yesterday that Tez Walker kind of looks a little Justin Huntery to me out there. Um, and oh and my god, <laughs> Justin. Next, you're going to bring up Derek Rogers, dude. <laughs> <laughs> One of my first articles on Rotoviz was about Derek Rogers and how he was how, free. How funny is it, by the way, looking back on how we argued about all those guys and Corderell Patterson is still in the NFL? I know. But he also completely busted. That's what's wild. Frame of reference. You know, if the Vikings would have opened their third eye and realized he was a running back right away, he probably would not have. He probably would have been great. And honestly, he's pro- he's one of the best kick returners in the history of the NFL. No, he's the Top- best. He's the best. You're right. He's the kick. best. Yeah, he's the best, best kick returner. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Returner so, in general, he's still up there, but yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So, Tez Walker does remind me of Justin Hunter a little bit. 
and you you got yards after catch issues there right it's kind of um connor was talking about this too it's like he's he's kind of you know he's fast but he's not great with the ball in his hands franklin was really good with the ball in his hands so if you're looking at your skinny your skinny wide receiver red flags at least he's really good after the catch um you know super efficient he played on the outside uh so you know kind of a traditional wide receiver the the weight's still i think a red flag but you know maybe we're kind of will fuller you'll hear his comps um i think i think trevor sikama had uh christian watson as potential comp which would have we would have been more excited about God, any year. will any will fuller comp is just like sign me the fuck up <laughs> i yeah. miss that guy every day i mean i do too so One- uh, okay, I want to talk about, you know, since we're talking about the University of Texas, we talked about Brooks, we talked about Worthy, we talked about uh, uh, we talked about uh, A.D. Mitchell. How about Jatavian Sanders? I, yeah. I feel like I feel like it's a little bit under the radar how good of a receiving prospect he was, just I guess just because of the presence of Brock Bowers. But 2022, 21% dominator rating. Now his dominator rating fell last season, but I think that's because Mitchell transferred in. Mitchell was at uh, Georgia before and then transferred in in 2023. But I, 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 I am pretty into Jatavian Sanders, and I expect that he is going to test pretty well. I also believe he got uh, he was playing through an injury at the end of uh, of the 2023 season. But in in this offense with two guys who are being considered, you know, potentially uh, first round picks. I mean, he was third on the team. Uh, in receptions actually had more receptions than another wide receiver is probably going to get drafted in uh, Jordan Whittington. I I'm, I'm pretty into Jatavian Sanders. It's a two man tight end class. And I think yes, it's just Bowers yeah. and Sanders and yeah. um, Sanders, if he tests well, will, will be up there with um, Sam Laporta and Michael Mayer uh, in my stuff from last year as the, as the, best tight end like he would have probably come out as the best tight end in last year's class if he tests really well uh which is part of the appeal that he's supposed to be really athletic so you know it's it's very plausible but obviously you want to you want to see that but you know even if he doesn't i think he's he's definitely pretty interesting um the problem is right it's just it really is just those two guys jaheem bell was kind of on my radar a little bit, but I he think he's kind of more of like an H back type. Um, and almost like got kind of like running back usage. Uh, so he's, he's not as interesting to me. Ultimately, I think, I think if for best ball purposes, we're like, you know, you don't want to be drafting guys who just get buried. Um, then you're right. You don't want your, your schoon mockers. So, I really am just kind of keeping it right now to Bowers and Jatavian Sanders, but I, I like Sanders. I think he's he's very affordable in best ball drafts. I imagine he goes up quite a bit in Dynasty once the draft capital comes in. I mean, he's probably going to go in the second round, but, you know, there's not a lot of buzz on him right now. So, you know, if you're doing like a startup or something at the moment, I think he's he's like a pretty big target. If I was gonna if I was gonna tout one guy who could backdoor his way into a uh oh, what was the Browns tight end name? 
Njoku? No, Barnage. Gary Gary Barnage. Oh, Gary Barnage. <laughs> it would be it would be uh, the K State tight end Ben Sano. He had he had six touchdown okay. receptions his final season. I mean, he played in that crazy run heavy scheme, but he scored six touchdowns on forty nine receptions. Actually, uh, led K State in receiving his his final year. I I bet he gets drafted ahead of Jaheim Bell actually because he's like a kind of decent route runner and like obviously to play K tight end at k-state you have to be like a huge run blocker although he probably runs into the darnell washington problem where he literally never runs a route because all the dude does is block i actually think the steelers are just gonna convert him to tackle yeah i i think oh, so man. he he ran like nine routes the whole fucking year i mean arthur smith Figuring out a way to get the most out of Darnell Washington, but like at the expense of George Pickens is very on brand. <laughs> I, I sign me up. I actually, you know what? Whatever. I don't care about George Pickens. Like, whatever. I'll sacrifice George Pickens to get one season of 80 receptions for a 6'6, 250 pound mountain of a human being. <laughs> All right. I'm in too, actually. <laughs> let's do it, Arthur. <laughs> uh okay. Let's uh Let's talk about let's talk about some of our our sleepers. I'll I'll let you go first. Who is a guy who is you know well outside the top 150 best ball picks right now? You know, kind of a second third rounder style guy, a wide receiver who you are into. Well, so the guy I'm not that into is Lad McConkey, and I get it. He seems fine, but like I think we can arbitrage Lad McConkey in a couple different ways. One of them is Roman Wilson, who's coming yeah. up towards, uh, he's, you know, also a, a four-year guy, but if anything seems like he, I mean, he had a very strong senior bowl. So maybe we're just in like kind of the peak of, of kind of like his draft capital projection. But at this point, I think I feel better about where he's going to go in the NFL draft than McConkey. They're both probably drafted pretty close to each other, but, Roman Wilson could sneak in at like pick 32 or something. You're seeing that in mocks. Um, he's probably a slot. Uh, you know, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's he's listed at 192, six foot, 192. So, you know, he's he, he, like the as far as the ceiling goes, not like super high ceiling, but McConkey is gonna be like a slot with, you know, maybe Vlad McConkey more... is 210 pound Hunter Renfro. Yeah, although he weighed in at the Senior Bowl at 187. Oh, shit. I thought he was, <laughs> so, I don't know why. I thought he was big. Okay, so he's just like on a Renfro then. He's on a Renfro, but I think I think the, the idea is he has more long speed. I think people are excited about that. So, but yeah, I mean, if I can kind of go get that, uh, you know, slot receiver, but good draft capital profile cheaper with Wilson, I want that. I also have been taking Ricky Pearsall as a similar arbitrage slot receiver play. Um, he's, you know, kind of like lunch pail slot receiver, traditional slot receiver, though. Like he can go out and play an 11 personnel. You don't have to like scheme him up stuff. He has a lot of red flags, but he's probably going to have decent draft capital. And he is free in these basketball drafts. So um, those are two guys as I'm kind of like not drafting McConkey right now. He just seems a little too expensive where I'm like, well, let me get basically the same profile for, for much less expensive. 
I mean, I you know what? I bet McConkey actually probably scores like a decent amount of PPR points as a rookie, like because some team's going to take him in the third round and use him immediately. But he just like will not. He'll he has like no two hundred and fifty PPR point seasons in his range of outcomes. Like he, yeah. I just don't even think he can. He was like a a decent, good, productive player for a really good college team, but just just because he will always be a slot guy, and he's not, you know, he's not Keenan Allen or Amon Ross St. Brown or. Even, yeah. He doesn't even have the same kind of, if we're sticking to white wide receiver comps, he doesn't have that same quick twitch, short area, turn around, spin, whatever, that like that like an Edelman had. You know, Edelman like would get right. the ball and then change direction and then change direction and you, you wouldn't even be able to tackle him. You know, it, he, he doesn't play. He kind of play. I, the reason why I thought he was bigger is he kind of plays bigger. He plays like in one direction. Like you get him going across the field on a slant, and he's good at catching it and turning up the field, but very little change of direction. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, a, for his career, a 16% dominator rating. This He did not come out early either. And, you know, his, his yardage share for his career, 16% as well. Uh, peaked at 20% in 2022 for dominator rating. Didn't even get close to having a breakout season. Just not a guy I want to really pay anything for. What I'm hoping, actually, is that, like, he goes to the Panthers in the second round and becomes free. Cause I, I agree with you. I think he can have a pretty productive uh, rookie season. Even if the ceiling's low, if he's totally free, that could be pretty helpful. If I have to pay anything for him, I think I'm out. Yeah. All right. My guy, I mean, he's going to be pretty popular. My guess is a lot of the nerds are going to be on this fella. But it is uh, Malachi Corley who played mm. in that, um, you know, the the air raid system at Western Kentucky. He is uh, bigger than Tank Dell, but this is like the Tank Dell corollary of the guy who played at a group of five instead of power five school, was a four-year player, but was just insanely productive while there. Uh, he led them in receiving. So I do like to do this because his his outright dominator rating is not that impressive because he did play at a uh he did play at a, a team that threw so often so 31% 26% career 21% dominator rating but his final season he had 984 yards second on the team was 513 in 2022 he had 12 uh, almost 1300 yards second on the team was 872 for a guy who actually transferred to an SEC school and played very well the year after so what you see with these what you see with these air raid schools is that because they throw so often to so many players that it kind of makes the dominator rating stuff a little mm -hmm. wonky basically because they're running so often or they're running so much less often and they've got you know they distribute 700 fucking pass attempts in 13 games or whatever yeah it's the same way that Stephen hill had a 45 percent dominator rating with 820 yards yeah, because yeah. he was at Georgia Tech. They didn't throw. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, famously the school where uh, where Bailey Zappi, you're, you're, you're the the all time touchdown leader in uh, college football history. Uh, Bailey Bailey Zappi was his quarterback when he was a sophomore. But wait, you wait, know, just Davis. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Stephen Hill now. He had 291 receiving yards in 10 games. Yeah, in 2010, 291 yards. What was his dominator rating? I should honestly, I probably know this. Like at some point, I probably could have recited. I think fifty-five percent. 
off the no, top it was of my 35%. Head. 30 in 10 games, he had 291 yards. That was good for 35% of the team's offense. Uh, he also only had three touchdowns. So this was not a touchdown driven dominator rating. Not a touchdown driven dominator rating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Corley, Corley is kind of my, he's kind of my pet project um at, at wide receiver right now and we are we are joined 90 minutes into the program by uh, well i didn't see any of the messages but i then i saw you guys messaging and i was like at first i was like you guys are surely done and then i was like no it's you guys you guys are probably still talking why don't i join for the last 15 minutes yeah jacob is uh live i think he's in a sauna right now uh <laughs> no i'm uh I'm, I'm i'm off this week i travel home to winnipeg so i'm in my parents basement which has wood paneling so you're in a 60s. log cabin you're in a log cabin <laughs> in manitoba right now Basically, uh, yeah. So I had not been checking Discord for the last two days. Uh, so I saw the uh, uh, I saw the exchange of messages. Did not sleep through an alarm this time. Just simply was not aware that there was a podcast <laughs> happening. And then uh, figured I'd, I'd come in for a verse at the end it's from Asana. Well, we're talking about Stephen Hill, so we're right on track. Nice. Uh, Davis brings up Stephen Hill like more than any person alive. I think. Well, he was he was kind of my he was kind of my introduction to the fallacy of um rate statistics, right? Of right. of using of right. using percentage statistics and not adjusting them for the context because we were just talking about Malachi Corley, which is the opposite corollary, which is his dominator ratings are suppressed by the fact that he played for a team that threw the ball about 750 yeah. times a year. I I was saying that Corley is kind of my pet project wide receiver right now. He he is the guy that you know, you're you're on the clock at the two ten. All the good players are kind of gone. You're like, you know what? I want Malachi Corley on my team. Nice. Well, I wanted to bring up a guy, and I'm I'm glad Jacob, you're here for this because I'm like desperate to get some additional context on Jacob Cowing, who I, I know is an older prospect. Yeah, um, from Arizona. Guy from Arizona. He's he, he kind of pops for me as like an old prospect. Um, very you know productive over the course of his entire career. Uh, 30% career yardage share, 32% career dominator rating. Um, kind of interesting uh, from from an efficiency standpoint. Actually, really interesting. As an underclassman, he had 3.10 yards per route run. So, you know, out uh, there UTAP, being efficient. Right? I think so, because he transferred to Arizona, I think, just for this past year. Yeah, I think he was a Conference USA guy for three yeah. years. I think he transferred U- to Arizona in his fourth year. And then played two years at Arizona, I believe. He got a little bit of rushing, um, only like 100 career rushing yards, so not like a ton. But, you know, he gets used a little bit like that. He's 175 pounds. That's the yeah, big red flag. Guy. He's 5'11". Slot guy, right? Yeah, slot guy. But, like, dude, he looks so fast to me. Like, I mm-hmm. think he's going to test really well. Um, I take him occasionally in the very last round of best ball drafts kind of a dynasty like dart throw you know third fourth maybe yeah. fifth round rookie pick but i think it's definitely someone to have on the radar what's interesting about him is that at arizona he was used as like a slot underneath guy like he had under 10 yards per reception his final season but then you look at his utap and he's like up over 18 yards per reception. he was almost 20 and, yards per catch his final year at utap wow and i'll, I'll just be honest like it's February. I have not watched much Jacob Cowing, and I don't know like the specifics of his ADOT, so I can't really speak to how much of that 
20 yard per reception UTEP pace was him breaking a million yak plays versus if he was getting more downfield looks compared to sort of the underneath profile that he had at Arizona. Uh, maybe you have more of that, Pat, but um, that was one thing that I noted is interesting with his profile. His, his a dot over his career isn't that low. Hang on. Let me pull up the, I'll pull up his like career a dot by year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the the idea is he's he's a slot guy, but he's got a lot of speed, um, mm-hmm. and, you, and you hope he he makes it into the third round or early fourth, and you know has a path to playing time right away. Um, let's see, where's the A dot? The A dot. We're yeah. we're all gonna be so accepting of 170 pound wide receivers after watching Tank Dell just completely torch the NFL for eight games. Well, like it's, it's, that's, like, that's and, and, it and old wide receivers right after we had like the Puka's an old transfer, Rashi Rice, the older, Tank, Tank Dell's old. old and small. <laughs> so, yeah, no. So he was a deep threat early in his career. Uh, 2019. So he played three years at UTEP, 14.8 A dot, 17.3, 15.2, transfers to Arizona for two years actually. ADOTs of 8.4 and then 6.7. So he kind of like got progressively more shallow over the course of his career, but he was really efficient at UTEP um, yards yeah. per outrun of 2.21, 2.94, 3.82 in his final year there. So that deep threat role, maybe, you know, it's going to be tougher to fully transfer <laughs> given that he's that small. And, and he was, he was kind of like the Jalen Hyatt deep threat from the slot. Um, he didn't play outside a lot at any point in his career. Uh, I think he maxed at 32% of his snaps out wide. So, yeah, he's kind of like, I mean, it's probably more of a college archetype, like super skinny uh, slot deep threat. But I don't know. Worth 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 considering, at least. For sure. I'm. I, I am. Uh, I, I am into it. I think I think that's probably a guy that I'll end up being um being pretty interesting let's bring up let's bring up a running back since we uh since we mostly are doing sleeper wide receivers and it's a pretty mid running back class how about oh, Dylan yeah. Johnson? I've, been, I've been doing while i was ignoring you guys um in the discord um unknowingly i was just grinding running back film all day yesterday so i'm, I'm pumped have you been watching <laughs> Dil- have you been have you watched dylan johnson yet because dylan yeah, johnson- i've watched a bit of him and i i think that his he's off my board because he wears a hoodie indoors it's ridiculous like he oh, wears a come hoodie. On. That's the most. That's the jersey. most Canadian. It's the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. What are you saying, Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, but you. Yeah, but you don't have a football jersey over top of this. So the listeners, uh, Pat <laughs> is like currently channeling. I really wish I did. I really boys. wish I could just. Like she's come like, up he's with like putting jersey. a hoodie on. He like currently looks like he's like Justin Timberlake right now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that his fashion aesthetic is ridiculous. But the guy, the guy lives <laughs> for contact. You have to respect that. I mean, he had 173 receptions in four seasons. He transferred from Mississippi State. I I don't even know. It sounds like, sounds like uh, he didn't love uh, his his old coach who passed away, Mike Leach. Sounds like there was not a lot of love <laughs> lost between the two of those guys. And then he immediately becomes the lead running back in this Washington Huskies team that kind of takes the nation. Yeah by storm and is like just fits right in as both a rusher and a receiver and uh for whatever it's worth the film bros seem very high on dylan johnson seems like they're they're like you know just kind of it was uh, a confluence of 
the offense not really fitting him and Mississippi State and the offense really fitting him at Washington. So he's a guy, I Pat, I have been taking him in the big board like super late. Honestly, I hadn't heard that much about him. Like when I'm looking at, you know, projected draft capital and stuff, I hadn't really seen him. He also yeah, has well, me- what- he also has medical he also has medical something I think his foot maybe like he like he does like people are worried he's not gonna have clean medicals. Mm. I don't know if you guys have talked like um, I assume you guys talked about the top running backs in the class already a bunch. Um, so I'll give you maybe a deeper name. But has anybody has anybody brought up Isaiah Davis yet today? No. No. That's that this is, is my... okay. That's deep. That's very deep. <laughs> Okay, so my, my like, this would be my deep, deep sleeper from South Dakota State. I mean, he might get, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. But this would be, if you want to, I'm pacing my sleeper to the fact that I'm picturing that I'm in a podcast that's already been going on for an hour and 40 minutes. So based <laughs> off of that. So you're already, um, yeah, you're at UDFAs now, which is fair. Like, yeah. like I'm, I'm assuming that you guys have already talked plenty about, like, Benson and Brooks and yes. Braylon yes, Allen we, we and, like, did. all of those guys, right? So... We um, kind of skipped Brooks, so, actually. We didn't talk about him that much other than to say I liked him. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to talk about um, – I'd, I'd be more than happy to talk about Jonathan Brooks, probably more than Isaiah Davis. But for my super sleeper, Davis had uh, over over 230 carries each of the last two years, 1,451 yards, 1,578 yards. Also has over two years over 20 receptions. Um, six Over six feet, over 220 pounds. And it's always hard to tell how fast a guy is when they play at South Dakota State because you don't know if he's fast or everyone else is slow. Um, but that's like legitimate like home run tape in terms of actually running through guys. Like I think he navigates people well. The production profile is fantastic. So that that would be one super sleeper that I hope he gets draft capital. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about Brooks. I think I have him as my RB two right now in that class. Oh, he's my RB one. What's okay. the who's who do you have him? Uh, Benson's my one at the moment, Interesting. but it's very close okay. between him and Brooks. Who do you I have? Like uh, where do you have Benson? Um, to be clear, like I haven't gotten quite as deep into the stats, so this is mostly a film grade for me. Like I'm, I'm going, I'm, but for me with Brooks, my concern with him is just I don't know that he's ever going to be a goal line back. I think he looks pretty brutal in short yardage situations, and he has like an upright running style um he's six feet 199 at least according to whatever and looks that looks about accurate to me when i watch him and he's kind of a glider which is nice when he's like on the perimeter like he'll he often catches guys at an angle and so he's able to kind of shift around them and evade a lot more tackles than you think for a guy who i don't think runs with a lot of power but like there's i posted a clip of it uh last night but just him getting three straight carries at the one versus oklahoma and just being like effortlessly stood up um and i find that he runs pretty high and he's pretty thin and so that's my only red flag with him is i don't know if he's ever going to be a goal line carry guy um but yeah curious what you um what what you love about his profile he's a really natural receiver too i had seen him listed at 207 so i was a little bit more optimistic there in terms of the the body side or the uh um, we'll see at the, the combine right yeah we'll see um, yeah. although we won't see him work out, unfortunately, cause they, cause of the ACL tear, which is, you definitely want, yeah. you want to be factoring that in getting a discount there. But what I like about him is the versatility. He, he rated well as a breakaway runner. He was very elusive. Um, he was able to break tackles while handling a big workload and he had 1.46 yards per route run, which isn't like awesome, awesome, but it's pretty good. 
Um, and so it's like yeah. he kind of has a few different outs, I think, to to a valuable rushing profile. He kind of fits more like I had him kind of rated as like a late first uh, dynasty uh, dynasty prospect where he would slot in last year very clearly behind Bijan, obviously, but also behind Gibbs. Um, but ahead of everybody else is kind of the and I and I have him ahead of of Benson, who I have is more of like a second round rookie pick type. Yeah, I think that was go for it. Well, and I, I just am saying I'm team Braylon Allen over Brooks. Oh, unless, man, Davis. Unless oh, Brooks no, Davis. Up. Well, Brooks might end up being like a second round pick and Braylon Allen. Bra- Braylon Allen is one of my least favorite running backs I've ever watched. <laughs> oh, I no. knew I knew he would be. I I don't I didn't even have I, to bring you on. But Jacob, though. do you know he's 19? <laughs> just, I, I appreciate that because this was like a Jason Tatum bet for forever where like one of the announcers would always be like and he's only 19 and like Celtics fans still say that I wish Sam was on the pod for that so I, it, it reminded me of that I appreciate that about Braylon Allen but yeah I watched um I watched six games of his yesterday um and my notes are almost entirely piss poor um I just I, I don't know man I don't I don't see you with that guy if he lands in like a perfect spot where all he has to do is just run downhill like a Gus Edwards type situation. And then I could see it. And like, he will probably get goal line work. He's a very large, but man. that's, what's going to happen. You, you got to understand that, that these are causal events. Like some guy, some team that wants Devin a chain is not going to draft Braylon Allen. A team that wants a sledgehammer is going to say, but <laughs> I would like to go to the NFL draft and purchase a sledgehammer, please. And they will have their, like, the, the like the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to take Braylon Allen. The Washington Commanders probably are going to take Braylon Allen. But or they already the have Vegas a sledgehammer that is more like they have like a, a sledgehammer that can also do some other things. He's he's it's a used sledgehammer though. This is this is a fresh <laughs> off the shelf sledgehammer. This is this is a nineteen year old Saran wrap still in the original packaging sledgehammer. <laughs> a collectible sledgehammer. I mean, a collectible sledgehammer. He'll go way up in my rankings once I factor in all the production stuff because his like profile looks very nice on at least like the raw production on um, side of it is, is quite good. Uh, so credit to him on that. We'll we'll see. I, maybe better in best ball. Like I can see the use case of a Braylon Allen, right? I can see how he fits into a team. When when the Tennessee Titans take Braylon Allen at the thirty eighth pick in the second round, you're gonna have to capitulate so uh, hard. Maybe at the hundred and sixty eighth pick of the whatever round. Yeah, Allen gets, mean, gets quite a bit of boost in my stuff for size and production. Like that's he's yeah. and he's he's very big and he's very productive. He is very 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 productive. I, I've seen people. My my one qualm is I've seen some people bring up that he got used more in the passing game this year, and like he kind of did. Like he caught some dump offs and everything. Um, horrendous pass protector. Like just just throws his arms at people, leaning over. It's all right. We uh, want our, we want our guys disaster. running routes. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't read anyway. into the, yeah, I just think he, I wouldn't read much into the past passing game stuff. I think he's a big guy who's going to score some touchdowns and it, on the right team, he could like Jordan Howard his way to like 200 carries, 10 touchdowns, oh, 800 yards. I like, love that's, that's Jordan possible. Howard. I loved Jordan. I loved, loved like rookie Jordan Howard. So I, it, it it's fine good. by me. Yeah. 0.74 yeah. yards per route run. So I th- I completely But he agree. was I mean, 19. He's got so much more to learn <laughs> about the intricacies of running routes, dude. But he's like not but he he's like he doesn't 
change directions. So, like, I don't think he can run routes. Like, he only goes one way. He's only been a running back for three years. He was a linebacker in high school. I He's can't got believe so you're on the linebacker believe. guy now. <laughs> that I really believe. I'll tell you what, that checks out. It's, it's, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I, like, I, it sounds tongue in cheek, but I really mean it now. Like, why can't he just have a Tyler Algier rookie season where, where some team is just like, fuck it. You're getting, you're getting 233 useless empty calories carries, but you're just going to rack up the volume on him. I mean, I'm not going to say he can't. No, I mean, and, and Algier really didn't do that much until the end. And then they were like, yeah, let's yeah. just feed this guy. And then he was pretty good. So, and then they immediately yeah. drafted a better running back, unfortunately. But yeah. Um, do you guys, I do you guys that. like Quorum at all? I don't. I don't like Quorum at, like at all. I, I don't, okay. but I just know he's going to be the starting Chargers running back in eight months. Right. So like I've just made my <laughs> piece. forcing his, myself his, to his, take him occasionally. His, his stat profile is like is, is pretty garbo. His I, I, I like watching him. I just think he always makes the right decisions. I, I appreciate that. I think he's like a smaller Brian Robinson. I can see Kyron Williams upside, but, but without the passing game. Like just Kyron Williams, but only as a runner. Great. Which is less appealing for sure. Part time Kyron Williams sounds awesome. Well, uh, uh, it's a 2024 running back class, Pat. Have you gotten <laughs> have you gotten to Simon Vaki yet, Corrine? No. no. Okay. You you guys you guys gotta go. You guys gotta go look this guy up. This is this is right in Corrine's alley. He is a combo safety running back from the University of Utah. I think he had some. This insane... guy isn't even on the PFF big board. Oh, we already Sion. talked about Sion Baki. Sion. 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 Okay. Yeah, so the first so the first hit when I just googled him because full disclosure, I've never heard of this person in my life. Uh, the first hit Sion Baki, Utah Ute safety. And then the first sentence is Sion Vaki takes a screen pass 53 yards for a touchdown. So Google's very confused as to what he does. <laughs> he, 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 had, he had 53 touches and five touchdowns and 37 tackles his final year at Utah with wow. one interception and two sacks. I mean, Crane, this guy was built in a lab for you to be to be in on. This is this is like Tyler Algier, but like legit feisty. <laughs> I can't believe you're just owning me on, on all the converted <laughs> defensive players that I've never heard of. Oh, he's going to own IDP leagues. He's like the well, absolute think, like poverty version of Travis Hunter. Well, I think he's going to – I think he's he's got to test well, right? I mean, that's, he would not have declared early if he was not going to test well, right? I mean, that's got to be that's got to be the deal with this guy is he's going to like crush the combine. What position is he planning to play in the NFL? Whatever. He better whatever. be playing running back if we're talking about him. I mean, I, I think <laughs> well, he'll. I, I think he, probably running back. I, I would assume probably running back. We need them to play running back, just, Davis. Just to be clear, just to be clear, Davis like uh, chuckled when I brought up a set of South Dakota State running back, and Davis is now <laughs> replying by bringing up probably running backs. Yeah, your running back is two oh nine on the PFF big board, so acceptable. He is at least he's, listed. At least, he, and and to be clear, he is plays running back <laughs> <laughs> like for sure. Like he's definitely going to play running back. Well, you know what? We're going to find out at the combine because he will have to declare his positional group. He will have to he'll have to do drills with his group. So we're going to find out if he does it with the defensive backs or the running backs. What a we'll sweat! What a sweat! <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs>
What do you this What do you great. make more money doing in the NFL, being a safety or running back? I guess a safety. Probably right? a safety. Yeah, he should definitely play safety, safety if he can. All right. Well, forget that I. You know who was that guy, Jacob, on the Patriots two years ago, Marcus Jones, who was who who they started yeah, yeah, playing Jones. on offense. Yeah, the kick returner, and they gave him like that screen pass and took one of the house against the Bills on yeah. uh, Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We're the the so we we basically we've uncovered a, we we've uncovered a guy three years from now you're going to be pissed off wasn't listed as a skill position player in a Thursday night showdown for like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. The kids say I we don't my, go deep on this show. My, my one <laughs> question really that can't. I. I guess my one real question that I missed is just like, like out of ten, how do you, how excited are you guys about the twenty twenty four rookie class? Like a nine. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'd probably be like an eight, just because the running back class is is it gets weak. Like it gets it gets a little sketchy after seven, right? Like you you have you have one hundred one through one hundred seven, you love your life, and then you have one hundred eight, and you're you're hoping that like JJ McCarthy goes sixth overall. But the but the thing is, is that more guys. I like Brian Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like him too. Yeah. And but I, the I, thing I that's like going to save it. Lot, so you could. Is yeah. Yeah. The Bills, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Bengals are all going to be a position to take wide receivers. Early. Thomas so, Franklin. Yeah. 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 I think I to me where shot. it gets it gets a little shaky is uh one one ten, right? Because if you're okay. looking, uh, you get the three quarterbacks. Harrison, but it's going to be it's going to be four. Like McCarthy's. You're right, McCarthy. Feeling... Yeah, I don't love McCarthy though, but I mean he'll probably go ahead of one ten anyway. So I don't. I don't love him. him. I don't love him, but if he's a top ten NFL draft pick, then I love him at the one ten. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and I think worst case, it seems like he'll be like twelfth or thirteenth or something. So it's right. you know where we're sitting here today. That's kind of the buzz. So. Yeah, I think the drop off would be after that, like Keon Coleman or or your other receiver, basically. Or or do you do you go with the running back at that point? Yeah, I mean it, it's it'll be interesting. Like, there's probably going to be some running back that gets a good landing spot. It's just the weird part. Like, I think most people have Brooks as the top guy, and it's just it's a hard sell for me to take an an injured, like a severely injured dynasty running back early in the rookie draft, right? Like in theory, the advantage of taking the running back is you get to plug and play them in your lineup kind of right away. And then it's, it's a little tougher, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully some of these guys, like I expect we'll probably get what three, four or five guys maybe come off in the third round. Maybe one of them sneaks into the late second. I mean, it sounds like Brooks is still probably likely to go late second. Maybe he, maybe he's third round with the injury, but um, Oh, Jatavion Sanders is a guy. That yeah, I think yeah. we could ultimately be thinking about around that 110 range if he goes. That's second. an interesting call. I like that call. The Bills are one more primary slot tight end away from finding like a good offense. Like <laughs> if, they, if they take Jatavian, you run out the 13 personnel of Khalil Shakir, Dawson Knox, Jatavian Sanders, and Dalton Kincaid. They're they're right on the precipice of getting where they want to go on an offense. So, um. Yeah. I want to bring up a couple more wide receivers because I mean the what makes this class fun in addition to there being legit high end quarterback uh, guys is that it goes really deep at wide receiver. Yes. Um, Jermaine Burton is someone we haven't talked about. Yeah. He 
he had a really strong final season at Alabama. I mean, we took John Mechie because he like used to, because he, he went to the school. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like that, that's enough. <laughs> so, and, and Burton went to both of the schools. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Burton, I think he had a over thirty percent dominated rating in his final re- final year there. Yeah, thirty five percent dominated rating at the University of Alabama in his final season. Yes, he's a four year guy. Um, didn't break out until his fourth year, kind of classic red flag stuff. But, you know, he's he's like totally free, you know, and I think one of these guys is going to get buried in a really deep class. So he's someone that um, I've been taking a lot of in best ball and and also seems like very interesting if you're going to get him as like a third, fourth round dynasty pick. Um, agree. Uh, I will note kind of I caught on as you guys were talking about Corley and about the you know, dominator rating being depressed because of being in this like pass first offense. Burton, a little bit of a, a different story where the dominator rating looks high. Um, the eight touchdowns are carrying some water there and the 20.5 yards per reception, which is good. And and owns is, is helping out there too. Only three receptions per game in that final season. So never really been like a high volume mm-hmm. target earning guy, uh, more of a downfield touchdown threat. Um but, yeah, interesting. Also, I mean, Alabama just probably not what we're used to seeing in their wide receiver core lately in terms of the quality of teammate you'd usually see him beating out to post that right. kind of stats at Alabama versus the quality of teammate he beat out this year. But he is interesting. Also, like, great recruit pedigree on on Burton um, for whatever that's worth. But just never seemed to really put it together and then kind of made a comeback this year. Um, so I expect him to test, like, really well, I, I would guess. Okay. Um. Do you, I, do you have any thoughts on the top of the quarterback class? We kind of basically I'm not as into Williams as like, I think everyone else, but I, you kind of have to take him number one, I think just to make sure you have some, but yeah. may I was, I was glowing about may uh, and a little shakier on Daniels because of the the size. Do you have any thoughts on those guys? Yeah. I like Drake may a lot and I, I've been surprised to see, the talk about him kind of being potentially a faller from two to three and not just in, in fantasy circles, but like the rumors about him not even being drafted to in real life surprised me. Um, I've seen people bring up some, some ball placement and accuracy concerns, but just from like a profile perspective, he really checks every box we would want, right? Like super mobile guy, guy who came in, started pretty early, has been good every time that he's been starting three-year declare, multi-year starter. Like that's it's just everything that we kind of want out of a quarterback prospect with a bunch of rushing appeal for fantasy. So I, I am legitimately very excited about uh, Drake May for sure. Um, I'd become, you know, slightly less excited if the rumored fall actually happens, but assuming he goes two or three overall, pretty pumped about him. I almost uh, like hope Daniels. he falls. Like if he goes to, you know, one of the projected uh, one of the mocks I saw projected the Falcons to come up to five and take him like sick. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I don't yeah, care if the, he falls to five. The fear would be that he falls to three and then doesn't fall further. Than three. Yes, that is the fear. And it's a real fear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's going to be something we're going to have to negotiate, right? Like and chances are the Patriots, unless they take like Joe all do us all a favor. Chances are that one of May Daniels or Harrison is stepping on that New England landmine, and that'll be something we all have to kind of figure out how much to weigh in just playing in that hostile environment. Um, I agree with you with Daniels, and it's tough because I've I've been a Daniels guy for like years in the 
Debbie world, just always saying like, Hey, if this guy could put it together, like he's such an incredibly dynamic runner, like why wouldn't you draft this guy in like the eighth round of a Debbie draft? Because he's, he's just, just needs to get a little bit better throwing the ball. And then we're talking about a first round rookie pick. And now it's gone almost too far where, yeah, like the, the age concerns me. It concerns me a lot that he was pretty terrible the second and third year starting and that it took until a transfer and a move to an offense with probably two first round wide receivers, potentially one top five receiver to really put up those stats. I just from like watching him a lot, I, I would say that big pluses, incredible touch on the deep ball. I think he has a really live arm and just, you know, absolutely electric dynamic runner. I haven't seen him throw very well in the middle of the field. I don't think he processes well, which is pretty concerning because he's been a five-year starter. So I don't know that that is going to change a whole lot. And a really high, a concerningly high sack and scramble rate, um, which I'd also say wherever he does land would be a concern for the receivers. Like I think you're looking at kind of that field scenario where your targets for route run is bad because 25% of the routes don't result in a pass attempt um, with a Jaden Daniels offense, where it's just like compared to most of the rest of the quarterback, at least some of the stuff that I've looked at. And I mean, Pat, you, you look into it, I think deeper than I have, but where the sack rates high, the scramble rates high. Um, so that'd be my concern with me as a five-year starter who both just watching and from the statistical profile, I don't think processes the field well at all. That's a pretty big red flag in my opinion. Yeah, I, we almost need him to go to New England where they don't have receivers and we can just bet on the rushing. Like that's right. Him, he, uh, him turning in a Cam Newton esque goal line rushing season, but then also bringing you know like well, like second and eight runs as well. Like because Cam was just here's, such a goal here's line the thing about New England. Here's the thing about the goal line rushing is he's built like me. Like he's like, I yeah. mean, Cass met me in person. Like he knows what I'm describing. Like <laughs> I'm very tall. But I'm not wide. Like I would not want to run me at the goal line. <laughs> and like Jaden Daniels is like a very tall, lanky, skinny quarterback. Like I don't, I can't even really think of a comparison. Like it's like his shoulders are like very close together. Like it's all like Trevor Lawrence is kind of lanky and skinny, but Daniels is almost more compressed and he's smaller. And so I, I think he'll run a lot between the twenties. But I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a goal line rusher. I, I don't know that he's built like solid enough to be a big goal line rusher. Yeah, I mean it's Lamar esque that way, where you know I don't think he's as he he doesn't avoid hits like Lamar. That's very clear. No, he but, loves getting hit. Yeah, that I don't love that. Um, but he's, you know, if Lamar at the goal line, we see Gus Edwards a lot. You know, as yep. good as Lamar is as a rusher, it's more between the twenties. I definitely think that's going to be the case with Daniels. Like he's, he looks, he he looks lanky too. It's not. Like I would be very surprised if he was even, you know, if he was two twenty, I would be kind of shocked. There's no way, man. There's no yeah. shot that guy's two twenty. I don't. I don't care what he's listed at. Like we'll see when he comes in at the combine. But to me, he looks closer to like six three, like six. Like he's. Less, I'm seeing him six four two ten. He's probably two oh five. I'll put it this way: I'm six four one eighty five. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror every time I turn oh, well. <laughs> So, do you think he's? He can't be so. I gotta get Jacob. I gotta get Jacob in the gym, dude. That is unacceptable. You gotta get. <laughs> we gotta get you to two hundred pounds, Jacob. I can't. I can't. I can't associate with that. You're not working out with Troy Franklin, are you? Because I, I need yeah. that guy to put on weight. <laughs> they are no, on I'm working the same with, I'm with Xavier Worthy. <laughs> oh no! Brutal. <laughs> um. 
do you right. have a, do you have any interest? We didn't talk at all about McCarthy, who because he's I think a fucking has, mystery box. I'm very doing. interested. I'm extremely interested. Okay, I'm not that interested from a best ball perspective because I'm like this guy's no, probably no, no. low volume, right? Like he doesn't have that great of a fantasy profile. No one talks about the fact that he's listed at like 203. Uh, Dane Brugler had him at 195 in his in his uh, rankings yesterday. Like, why don't we care about that? I mean, we just did the the Bryce Young thing. Oh God, he's going to be sub 200, but but JJ McCarthy like probably is sub 200. Um, you know, young young weighed in above 200 at the combine, and that was the last we heard about the weight. Never was a problem. Again. <laughs> so like, so you know, if he's 205 or whatever, like that's still not great. I know he's young. He could put on weight yeah. as he goes, but at least he doesn't have height issues, right? Like young, also, I think it was about height, not just weight. McCarthy's six three. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he's listed six three. So, but I, they kind you know, of similarly built to Dens, terms of yeah. taller, skinnier. But I think the 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 fact that he's skinny it just adds to like this guy's not going to be very mobile, um, and you know th- there's not really much reason to suspect he'll be that mobile. Uh, given his his college stats and stuff, so it's like, what is he, what is he really bringing as um, like a fantasy quarterback? He's Brock so, Purdy, but he goes in the first round of the NFL draft. That's what you're looking at. I, I think like I think Ryan Tannehill level mobility is what I foresee from him. Tannehill's kind of a similar build, uh, although a little bit taller. Uh, he's listed six four two seventeen. I wouldn't be surprised if McCarthy sold out to like two ten um at some point he's only like a 21 year old kid right now i might even be is he 21 yeah, his college is 20? rushing is actually a lot better than i thought yeah, yeah and he's and and i mean and that face also like you know he's not dropping back very much but he's really mobile like there's um there's a play that sticks out in my mind um against ohio state where there was a fourth and one they run him on a naked bootleg and it's screwed. And it's just him one-on-one versus the linebacker to get it. And he like shakes them against an Ohio state linebacker, gets it easily, picks up another 10, 15 yards. Like I, I think he's a, a, a very functional playmaker. Okay. Um, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson, but like he, he has, he has wheels and he has a pretty live arm. And I think he fits perfectly into the dominant structure of what teams are doing. So I'm not very excited about him from a best ball perspective. And I don't know that I'm even that excited about him from a long-term dynasty perspective, but I think he's pretty safe in that I just can see him fitting into an NFL offense. Like he's, I assume where he's going to get drafted is probably going to be like a play action, heavy Shanahan type scheme scheme, or at least I hope that's who takes him. Vikings and Broncos seem like the most likely right now. Broncos. Broncos is such a perfect fit, man. Like he he gets in that Sean Payton scheme. He's going to drop back 32 times a game going to hand it off a bunch it's going to be play action and he's just going to rip like slants and dig routes over the middle and he throws seeds and he plays in the structure of the offense like I, I think that he's going to be a successful I don't know like it, it depends on your view but like I think he's like a goth with mobility where he like has okay. a really live yeah. arm like Jared Goff has um and he's going to be able to make the right decisions but then he can scoot a little bit like maybe like like that peak the two years of the Brian Tannehill with Arthur Smith, like those two, like 2019, 2020, like I could see McCarthy doing that. I don't, I don't see like a super high ceiling offense. I don't think he's going to be running like some air raid, spread it out, drop back 40 times, but I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If he was like a high end QB two, low end QB one who played for a long time in the NFL, 
it's just hard. I, I get that he's a mystery box because they threw like 22 times a game or whatever. But I, I think he has the tools to succeed in, in an NFL offense. And I don't think it'll cost that much in Dynasty. Like, I suspect he's going to go like, like, I don't think he's cracking the top seven regardless. So I think he's going to go 1 8, 1 9, 1 10 in rookie drafts. And maybe he's the guy who we do this pod two years from now and say, why is this guy going in the third round? He's so overrated. But that's still a massive payoff from your right. initial investment. Yeah, I think he's probably like a much better Superflex dynasty pick than best ball right now. 100% like, agree. You, you have to worry about job security, not job security, but when he gets on the field. Like he'll, not that he's going to yeah. get benched, but when does he start? If he goes to Denver, potentially right away. Um, but I think it'll be a little bit low ceiling out there. But like guy who's definitely going to be a starter next year and the year after is always very valued in Superflex. Like those those guys, we lose like a couple of those guys a year. And we're going to like, even if he's Mac Jones with job security, if Mac Jones was definitely going to be a starter for two years, like that alone would you be like, I, I hate oh it. God, but I he's going to start a quarterback for the Patriots next year. Jaden well, Daniels. I'm thinking Jaden Daniels or Drake May. God, if Drake May ends up in the Patriots, that will test Pat's love for Drake May. I'm I'm drafting through it, baby. I'm drafting through it. Drafting through it. They got they got Van Pelt now. They're gonna throw every every down like they did with Flacco. That's the hope. I <laughs> the nice thing is you're probably getting Drake May at a very nice price. Like Drake May on the Patriots. This presumes that then Daniels goes too. So Daniels is definitely going ahead of him in rookie drafts in this world. Caleb's obviously going ahead of him in rookie drafts. Marvin's probably going ahead of him in rookie drafts. I wouldn't be surprised to see neighbors. the odd rookie draft. Yeah, that's going like, to end yeah, up with me neighbors. taking Drake. I'm going to have like 50% Maybe Drake I'll take May. Bowers, and then you're going to be like getting May at like 1-5, one, 1-6. One, like I'm I'm getting the fat action. Absolutely. I will join it. Dynasty. I'm trying desperately to get my leagues down. I will join Dynasty Leagues to draft Drake May at 1-5, one, 1-6. One, that's yes. wow. Come on. Well, give me give me the quick pitch. I, I know I'm, I you probably already gave it to the listeners, so maybe you can give me the 30-second version. But what, what gives you so much excitement with him? The big thing is that his he was very good with the deep ball. Um, big time throws on 20-plus yard passes, uh, the rate of those per attempt, the rate of those per game, really, really strong, like up there with pretty much anybody ever. And that, you know, the, the aggressive mindset and the ability to do it, plus size, plus mobility, um, Plus, he was also a willing scrambler, you know, so he's not just kind of like someone who got designed rushes in, in college. He's going to create on his own. He also is maybe not ideal, but pretty good at playing within structure. He voided sacks much better, um, you know, than like a Justin Fields, you know, like he, he was kind yeah. of more on Justin Herbert. Like he'll take some sacks, but it's not like a huge problem. Um he was like pretty good looking at some of the first read stuff. Like he looks like he plays pretty well within structure. He can create outside of structure. He doesn't, he doesn't like kind of with Caleb Williams is like, he gets a little bit off the rails sometimes out of structure. <laughs> it can be a problem. And I, and you know, if the NFL cared about that, I would too. I don't think they do. So I'm kind of like, whatever he, he's going to get a long leash. So it probably doesn't matter, but may, you know, I think it's going to execute fairly well as in addition to providing playmaking and mobility. Yeah, I agree. I like I like him a lot. I mean, he's going to throw deep. He's going to run. 
He's probably going to be the second quarterback drafted. He's at least coming in with one good wide receiver. Pat uh, objected to me classifying Jahan Dotson as a good wide receiver. They'll have another pick. It seems to take... like a very, I mean, what, a, what has he ever done to be a good wide receiver? At this he point? scored some. No, I, I, I believe in my heart and that he's a good wide receiver, but I, I don't want to tell anybody that because I don't, I can't like defend that take. I just kind of feel it. <laughs> Been a, there's been this, a lot of that. There's been a lot he of has that. A play, he has a place in my heart right in the same ventricle as Elijah Moore, who I also feel in my heart is good. Despite oh, Elijah Moore. Come on. We, Elijah Moore is definitively good. He just needed a good quarterback. Definitively? Yeah, definitively. I don't know about definitively. I also do feel in my heart that Elijah Moore is good. But I, So now I understand the Jahan Johnson, Dawson thing. If you, really if you feel it in your heart, how Elijah can it Moore? be false? Yeah, I also, I also, by the way, feel my heart that Rashad Bateman is good. These three guys, like, oh, all well, live in the same little see, part of my heart. You need to see a psychiatrist about that. <laughs> yeah, that, ba- that Bateman, might... buddy, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. He's given every opportunity. But I do feel in my heart that Traylon Burks is good. Oh, oh I don't feel that. I don't feel that <laughs> at all, actually. Well, let me tell you, if you like Traylon Burks, the way, Pat, I think... by buying opportunity of a lifetime because he is yeah. free in any format totally right now. He is yeah. totally you yeah. imagine what you could get his NFL all day debut moment for right now. I mean, probably well, like I think nothing. all of them are going for what about three dollars. So you... <laughs> what I've discovered, by the way, is that um this feeling in your heart um that we all have for various players, it's called your priors. That's that's it's that's called bias, is. I think, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, should we get out of here? Out there, someone thinks Doriel Green Beckham is good in their heart. Yeah, no, we probably get it. Beckham we, sucks. One guy I, we didn't really talk about Bowers. I feel like oh we yeah, should, we should at least give the people a little bit of why. Like we mentioned that he you know, he's, he's it's going to be it's going to be reverse. It's going to be reverse. Kyle Pitts. You're going to watch him in the NFL, and you're going to be like, I don't really understand how he's always so open. He's going to get every easy screen, every easy seven yard slant. He's gonna he's gonna get both Laporta targets and seam targets it's going to be infuriating obviously as all of us are kyle pitts bag defenders to just watch this guy go top 10 overall in a sleepwalk into the easiest 97 target rookie tight end season you've ever seen you know meanwhile kyle pitts is out there running fucking cardio with johnny smith well my elevator pitch for brock bowers that i would give in 30 seconds is that georgia can recruit basically any five-star athlete they want in any position they always have seemingly three NFL quality running backs on their roster at any given time. And they chose for three years to run as a legitimate part of their offense, jet sweeps to their tight end. Um, and those jet sweeps were often successful. And so that's, that's basically my pitch for Brock Bowers. Is he's so good that Georgia, the University of Georgia, is like, we will make you not only a featured part of our passing game, featured part of our red zone package, but just like a legitimate every game part of our run game. Uh, he's he's very athletic. He's very good. He's gonna kill. I, I I love the guy. Yeah. So the big big difference between him and Kyle Pitts, I think, is that he is a he's not like an elite off the charts run blocker, but he's pretty good. And you know he gets comparisons to Kittle, and is gonna be involved in that style of offense where he's getting used on play action and. He's being used after on after the catch stuff, which is a honestly a better profile than the big wide receiver profile for Pitts because yeah. 
the thing with being a big wide receiver who plays tight end is that pretty much immediately that's about that tight end eligibility also comes with a 20% route rate doc, right? Great wide receivers are going to run their, their route participation is going to be maybe 15%. They might be at 95%. Yeah. Just by nature of being a tight end, you're going to be at like 80%. So then it's like with Pitts specifically, when is he coming off the field? Sometimes it's actually kind of some of the bigger personnel stuff because he is just a wide receiver. And so he's not out there to run block on play action stuff around the goal line or just straight runs, um, which don't matter as much. But you want him to be out there uh, and actually get some of that upside around the goal line where we actually see tight ends catch a lot of the touchdowns on play action passes. Pitts had a career run blocking grade of 44, which is first percentile for tight ends. Um and Bowers is was at 75, which is like very good. Uh Hawkins, TJ Hawkinson had 70, was at 71. Um, so he's not like the best run blocker ever. But if the idea is like this dude can come out and just like play NFL tight end, and then in addition to that, he's bringing really strong yards after catch and receiving ability. Like I just think like that's more likely to translate. And if he tests well at the combine. For what it's worth, because tight end is difficult to project, but he'll he'll be the best tight end prospect in my stuff by a pretty decent margin, as long as he tests well. Yeah, I can't imagine he won't test well. He might um, have people might balk at the size and the weight at the combine, yeah. Uh, yeah. but he'll he'll test really well. I mean, I don't know what it'll look like adjusted because like most tight ends are like 250 pounds. I'm not entirely convinced he's even 230, um, so I don't know what like his like size adjusted metrics will be, but. His like raw numbers, I, I expect to be great. Like I, I don't know. What would you expect him to run? I, I'd expect him to run like pretty close to four or five flat. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he looks like a World of Warcraft player. So like that kind of makes me more into him. That photo of him next to Gronk was like kind of an all timer. Yeah, it was. He doesn't look like, like knowing that that guy. He doesn't look like a professional athlete. Like knowing that that guy was at the University of Georgia next to every great athlete that graduated <laughs> from high school in the United States of America in the last four years, and that they all in the locker room were like, you know what, we need to get this fucking guy the ball more often, is like, <laughs> all right, I, you can't you can't argue with that. Well, does the weight concern you? Because the, every the big counter to everything I just said about you know he'll be out there run blocking and no, all that. No, that's that's the plus. Being two hundred thirty pounds is the plus. It means he it means he blocks like ten times a game. Well, but you want them run blocking because if it's run, there's no missed opportunity. And if it's not a run, it was a yeah. fake run and you want them out there. So I, I do think most, most elite, I think if you're out there pass blocking, you probably suck. Like most great tight end, like even Kittle doesn't pass block, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, I actually do. I, it's not great if the weight causes him to be trusted less as a blocker. It's, it's bad. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Like I, I buy that he was able to make do in college and that he played in the SEC. So I think he'll probably be able to make do somewhat in the NFL. Like it would concern me more if he played in like a fake conference and he was like, okay, you could block well against, you know, the PAC 12 defensive ends, but against the SEC defensive ends, like they're probably roughly comparable in size and strength to like low end NFL players. Like I, I feel like it's probably manageable. I agree with you. You definitely want to be able to block. This is like the same argument that I had with, I think it was like um, Kyle, I forget how to pronounce his last name, 
Organioni boards on Twitter about like running back pass protection, where it was like, no, you don't want your running backs pass blocking, but you do want them to be able to pass block because if they're able to pass block, then they get to be on the field and passing plays. Right. And then they also get to run more routes. Um, it's yeah. I, I think it's somewhat of a concern. I would just, I mean, I, the, people can feel free to ignore this point because Kyle Pitts exists, but like, I would really hope that whatever team drafts him, hopefully very highly, knows who he is and has a plan. Like, I just I just hope <laughs> that that comes to fruition and, and that he doesn't go to a team with Arthur Smith at head coach. Like, that's Good luck plan. with that. Do we, do we deserve great. that? Do we deserve for a tight end to be uh, an all-world tight end to be used properly? I mean, we already got in this lifetime Jimmy Graham, Travis Kelsey, and Rob Gronkowski. Do we do we really deserve better? I, I'm not sure. Shane Steichen's going to use this guy exactly how anybody would want, I promise you. I have my jersey ready. Yeah. He's gonna get he's gonna get drafted by the Titans, brother, and he's gonna get he's gonna get sixteen targets as a rookie like that. earning his stripes. Hey, it's so, not the old Titans. I I get on board with the new Titans, man. They're gonna be throwing a little bit more. Oh yeah, that's right. I like I that's like true. uh I like this guy they hired. Yeah, Callahan. Uh, Callahan. Yeah, I'm in on his it. dad, his dad is like an OG, like oh he's like in the OG Shanahan tree. Like if we're doing the the tree. Oh, he's bit. the dumbest team in America guy. Yeah. He's uh he was the head coach of the Raiders. I had a long vendetta against Bill Callahan because um when John Gruden was traded to the Bucks, I was a Raiders fan at this time because Rich Gannon went to the University of Delaware, which is where I'm from. Nice. Um and so and I just thought it was so fun that they had like all these really old like Jerry Rice, Tim Brown, Rich Gannon, they're all like 40 years old. Um <laughs> and so Gruden's off in Tampa Bay. Bill Callahan runs the exact same Gruden offense. Then they get to the Super Bowl against Gruden and they, you know, uh, Gannon throws for like five interceptions because they knew all the plays. Like you have to change plays. You're going against the guy who made the plays. Anyway, it didn't work, but he's like, he's like, he's generally seen as the best offensive line coach, I think like ever. So getting yeah. him on the staff would, you know, it's big. Is he on the staff? Yes. He's on the staff. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's on the staff. Good. Um, yeah. I'm, I, my only thing with the Titans is I, if we're just talking about Will Levis, I have a lot of undeserved optimism about him. But then as soon as we transition to talking about weapons of Will Levis, I have only pessimism about Will Levis. So well, Hopkins that, was that fine last concerned. year. Hopkins was pretty good. He was all right. It was, it was, it was like uh, it, it, better in best ball. Like I remember, I remember my week, my Sunday morning routine of going through all my Hopkins dynasty leagues and trying to figure out whether he's going to score three or 30 that day was less less fun but i'm sure in best ball it was more fun <laughs> yeah but i mean you know if they throw a little bit more that it should even it out he had yeah. over two yards per route run you know yeah. if they if they throw more i think True. he's honestly i i have a big bag of him in the early best ball stuff he goes i think like two rounds too late i take this i take price. him I've i take him or Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm going down with the ship I'm seeing I'm seeing tight end seven brock bowers tight end 12 kyle pitts and i'm like well i guess i'm he's gonna tight end 12 yeah Fuck, man. Like, all right, I guess we're getting even. Or we're trying, trying. That's, that's what you think, you know. I thought I thought round 18, Clyde Edwards. So actually, yeah. I did get even on Clyde because he had that week 15 game. So in the end, you can always you can always get even on, I, on your guys. I thought I was getting even on Kyle Fitz last year. Like, I thought I thought <laughs> that last year was like, wow, we get Kyle Fitz in round seven. And now now when did we get him? What is it, round nine, ten or something? I haven't been drafted. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's like barely in the top 100. Yeah. Hopkins is more like a round, little over round, uh, underpriced. I think not two rounds, but 
Yeah, he goes to pick 76, 76 77. Um, I'm into that. I remember the one best ball draft I did do, it got to like round four. And I was like, wow, these wide receivers, it's getting rough. It, it dries up quick. Yeah. You, you, well, you got it. You got it. You got to just zero RB every draft. You got to take yeah. one running back through eight rounds. Then just, you know, you're just taking. Well, then uh, you get, you get Harris in the eighth and you're feeling pretty good about that. Exactly. Who in the eighth? <laughs> Najee Harris. Uh, you know what, dude? I'm taking some. I take I okay, take good. I was trial ballooning it because I'm secretly into it, but I wanted to preserve the right to be like, LOL, that was a joke if I got roasted for it. But, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking some it. of them. I mean, I take Warren ahead of him a lot um because he's the better player in the same backfield. But yeah, and you know, um, you know, is their coach uh, Pat? Yeah, a guy who refuses to play first round picks, Jacob. <laughs> Oh, I thought it, I thought it was a guy who refused to play good players. Well, this is the argument. This is the <laughs> argument is: Does he hate playing good players, or does he hate playing players with draft capital? That's true. It's hard to say. It is hard he to just, say. I'm taking he just a hates anyone. He a just hates anyone who generates explosive plays, unless Tyler Algier happens to slip past the defense. Like that's it. Well, but he hates Algier more than anyone because he's like, "Great job, Tyler." Anyway, this guy's gonna be taking your job. <laughs> Kind of, Why? But not not at the goal line. Only for the first yeah, night. But not as much as not as much as everyone would like. <laughs> None of that. And also, the, the whole Falcons, involved sometimes. Yeah. The whole Falcons thing never made any sense. No part of it. No. At all. No. Yeah. I'm glad. I feel good about the Falcons. I like Raheem Morris. I like Zach Robinson. Well, I feel I'm good about in. them now. I know. Well, no, I felt horrible Correct. about them before. Obviously, they ruined my life. But like, I I feel. Good about this season, which makes me feel trepidation. <laughs> yeah. This is one thing we're now getting completely off the rails. But is in the best ball stuff, I'm desperately trying to figure out who their quarterback is and what, like, what even we can hope for. JJ McCarthy um, might be yes. JJ McCarthy. Kirk Cousins is the dream. I think they they would yeah. love to oh, get him. Kirk is the absolute dream. I just think he probably ends up back in Minnesota. Probably. Yeah. 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 But it'd be great. Right. I would love him in, in Atlanta. And I, I would be in on McCarthy. I, I no joke, have a hard out that I didn't think we would get. I didn't think we would get anywhere close to this hard out. Pat and I, Pat and I started recording the show two hours ago. So I didn't, I didn't actually think that this was a realistic hard out, but I do actually have a hard out. Um, so everyone, thank you for, I don't even know, a two and a half hour show, I guess <laughs> here. Um, yeah, I so showed up 90 you. minutes late to a podcast. I didn't know it was happening. Still got a firm hour. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, halfway through, it turned out. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely classic. We will continue to be going through these rookies. Obviously, when we get to the combine, that's a ton more information for us. You can get uh, all of Pat's dynasty content, a legendary upside. My dynasty rankings are on patreon.com slash Jacobs are on thinking about thinking, and uh, we will be back with you guys soon. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then 
there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy.